Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Real Debaters. I am Michael Petro, your host and one of the debaters on the show. This week, the episode is supported by our friends down at Proper Design Works, a custom clothing and embroidery manufacturer here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, our hometown. Uh, I've known Chris Goatsman for years, and there is nothing that these guys can't handle. They've got definitely two sides to their business. They've got the bulk... Um, I guess the easiest way to explain it was, do you need 100 t-shirts? They can handle you. No order is too big or too small for these guys. So if you've got, say, a charity that you want to raise money for, or you're opening up a new business, or you just want 50 of the same fucking shirts, um, check them out at Proper Design Works on Instagram. You can see all their wares down there. And then the second aspect of the business is the custom embroidery and clothing side. So if you're looking at something that's tailored to your body, to your frame, to your style, uh, check them out. There's, there's nothing they can't handle, like I've said in the past. Uh, right now, they're doing something super cool. They're making masks for the COVID-19 crisis. All of these things, like I said, can be seen at Proper Design Works on Instagram. And once you're there, if you find out, hey, these guys are the shit and I want to place an order, you can hit them up at info at properdesignworks.com. That is info at properdesignworks.com. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Proper Design Works. We always appreciate it. This week on the show... On the phone, we've got Jason Brett Fallman, we've got Jin from Naked Bones Podcast, and we've got the Darlings, Doug and Denise Darling. Um, all good friends of mine, except for Jin. We just met. This was our first time ever talking, so it's kind of like a podcast blind date. What do we talk about? We talk about their show, which is adapting movies from books. Uh, we talked to Jason about Disney and can you support a studio even though they've furloughed thousands of workers. And then we talked to Doug and Denise Darling about kids' watching habits during COVID-19. How do they govern what their kids are watching? What kind of educational shows do they kind of throw in to make sure it's not all mush? And so on and so forth. So I hope you guys enjoy COVID watch number three. I can tell you that we're going to try for our next episode, we're going to try to bring back the debate format. I will be judging it. Mark, Martin, and Jimmy will all be auditioning for me with their ideas, trying to prove me wrong, and I'll be arguing back. And then I'll be picking a winner. So you can hopefully it's the next episode. If not, it'll just be another COVID watch. Either way, uh, we are trying to bring back what you have come to love about the show as soon as possible. Um, for us, if you want to contact me or any of the guys on the show, you can email us at therealdebaters at gmail.com. Again, our email address is therealdebaters at gmail.com. If you've got a show idea, if you want to come on the show, that's where we talk to everybody. So feel free. Uh, lastly, our email, our email, um, our website, uh, therealdebaters.podbean.com. Uh, again, that's therealdebaters.podbean.com. You can find cast bios, our merch store, uh, funny shit that we try to post from previous episodes, tons of stuff. So if you want to follow us and listen to the podcast as well, too, again, I'll say it a fourth time. That is therealdebaters.podbean.com. That's the website. Check it out. I don't have anything else, and if I did, I'm sure it's not that important. So as always, I will cue the reel, and you enjoy the show. Hello, Jen. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. Um, I uh, 
I just want to preface everybody before we kind of get into this, get into this with me and Jin here. Uh, this is the first time we have talked to each other ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this, this is going to be fun cause it's going to be a learning experience from both of us. Like it's, it's kind of, it's like a blind podcast date, so to speak. I don't, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. Like two podcasters who haven't met before, but our podcasting is technically a blind date for podcasting. I like this. Can we just like promote it like that? <laughs> I'm, I'm totally down. I think we just tripped on something. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this off show and make, make it a thing. We'll ha- <laughs> we'll make it a hashtag for sure. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So, um, for everybody listening, Jen is from another Winnipeg podcast, uh, naked bones podcast. I have learned from previous experience that the best person to explain what they do is that person. So tell people what the hell your podcast is about before we even get into this. Right. So the Naked Boats podcast is just about um, me and Alyssa, my other co-host. We read books that have been turned into films. And the way that we structured it is we obviously read the book first and then we watch the movie. So it's a pretty simple structure. And with a shit ton of work, though, that's I I, I think that's great because. Like I'm the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I don't fuck around where like if I had to like, I mean, we, we obviously, I'm not going to lie. We lean to the movies we've seen and not so much the ones we haven't Yeah. where, where you have to read a book if you've seen the movie to be able to do what you do. Yeah. It's actually it's much like you think it's going to be easy, especially um, a lot of the movies and books that we've done. Um, we have seen the movies but reading the book is such a different experience because sometimes the writing is actually just it's hard to get through or if it's or it's like super easy did this come from you finding that you've read a lot of books that were turned into movies or did it come from the fact that you like to read and you wanted to compare the two like what what was the driving force behind it i guess when you because you have to read a book and then you do a podcast so i imagine if you want to do a weekly podcast, that's a fuck ton of reading. I know. Um, actually, funny story. It's kind of lame, but um, it have you heard our happened. show? Yes, <laughs> I have. Okay. Um, so, like, me and Alyssa kind of just watched Twilight and like horror films, like really stupid horror films. Ironically, so like we're very vocal when we watch these things. Okay, and we were like why don't we just start a podcast? And then it kind of just got the ball rolling. And then we're like, well, we got to pick something that's kind of relates to things that we both enjoy. So we decided on book to film adaptations and yeah, the first year was honestly, we, it was so hard because we were doing pretty much a book per week and it was insane. Like I resorted to listening to books, which is not something I'm, I don't know. Sometimes my brain goes somewhere else when I'm listening to something. So listening to a book is actually not that easy. If you're kind of like a squirrel, I see something (laughs) shiny and I, I just like, Oh, what's that over there? (laughs) Yeah. When I, I no, I totally understand that. I'm in the process of trying to read more and read more and watch less trailers. Those are two like 2020 March uh, revel, revel, re, revelations, re, resolutions <laughs> that I was like, I'll just start doing these. Fuck, fucking New Year, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm in between. Like, do I buy a, a 
like a kudo or keto. I don't even know what they're called. Uh, the electronic book reader, the ebook. Oh yeah. Or do I stick with the library that I've curated over the years? Because ashamed as I am to say a younger version of me was like, yeah, the more books I have, the smarter I'll look, but fuck who needs to read them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I got a pretty curated actually- library that's just there. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right, you gotta you kind of have to be like in the mood to read a book. Like you can't just pick up something and just go. Like you, I don't know if I if it's just me, but I go through phases. So I'm actually going through like a Warcraft phase, which is nothing to do with anything about the podcast. But it's it's great. Let me tell you. Well, no, I told I get it. I I think I think Warcraft is one of the smartest hoodwinks humanity has ever pulled on each other in regards to we'll make a video game and it will never end exactly like it's such a good concept oh i love it so much i've uh i tried to get like i i game but i i i'm console more than i am pc so i need a controller and oh and, you yeah. know so i just i could never really get down the the, st- the strategy my strategy is to like run up the middle and just spray and pray so strategy came to me is like just a <laughs> giant waste of time because I'm like, when do I get to blow shit up? So I, I get that, but but along the lines of okay, so it, so somebody who does a book to movie podcast does go through phases of wanting to read and not wanting to read and veering off. Okay, that makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you do this, like the first thing I, I told you, I kind of want to talk about was, um, like what when you read the book and you. Do you do you do it? Do you do it more where you don't know the movie yet and the book has come out, or do you try to do it where you've already seen the movie? Because my question kind of plays into when you see the movie after you've read the book. Have, how more, more do you more often than not feel ripped off that they've left stuff out, or are you satisfied with the trimmed version? Um, I guess it depends on the type of story. Um, I recently just read, uh, the goldfinch, which is like, it's a pretty hefty book. Um, very detailed, um, kind of similar to Stephen King, how he writes his books. Um, and the movie, it was basically just a set up version, like more condensed than the book. Um, it, I didn't hate it, but at the same time, like, I don't know, it's, it really depends on like how invested you are in the story like after you watch it because you're gonna i don't i don't even know like for uh well okay here's a better example um when i read twilight i had this image of edward cullen but he was not what he was supposed to be when i watched the film okay yeah, see, that's what, that's basically what we're getting at here is the the picture you create in your mind versus the picture that's created for you, and how often I'm just curious how often you guys are more like because you you're doing it, it's your podcast, so more along the lines of where someone buys a book, right, and then they're like, oh, they're going to adapt this into a movie, and you're really excited because you chose that book not knowing you win the lottery and get the movie, where you guys are comparing the two. So I'm wondering is there does it match up a lot does what you create in your head appear on the screen in some of the stuff you guys have read not really but because we've been doing this for like over a year 
um, we kind of try not to have such high expectations when we're reading a <laughs> book that was turned into a film. Okay. Because more often than not, um, they do take out or they change a story completely, which is really disappointing. But that's all based on the person who's writing the screenplay for it. Okay. Yeah. And and do you look like do you look for the guy who's adapting it? Do you want him to be a fan? Like, let's say, for example, Zack Schneider, who adapted Justice League and Superman, huge comic book fan. Kevin Smith also took a crack at it. Huge comic book fan. So do you have you noticed where, say, the screenplay writer and the novelist get together? And if they're a fan, it does it show on the screen or is that something that really doesn't show up at all? Um, I'm, I think I did come across something like that. And you can tell that there is um, like the effort that was put into it. It made it so that um, like you can't please everyone. Let's just yeah, say no, that Star Wars, first of all. Star Wars made sure of that. You, yeah, you cannot please. There are so many people disappointed <laughs> in that one. <laughs> I was not one of them. Um, <laughs> um, but no, um, when I've come across movies that were adapted and like the, the person is a big fan, they, I feel like they, they're either in contact with the writer and they're trying to figure out a way to make the film because it's only it, it should only be a certain amount of length um but not to cut out too many important stuff that's relevant to the story um well that's I, where that's where hollywood gets in and the budget goes okay uh, as as great as this is, um, what the fuck does it have to the overall plot? And if you really can't summarize that, then they go. And that's where the things start to get chopped, right? Because you got 1,200 pages or whatnot, because I don't read books. I don't know how many pages they are. But like, you've, yeah. you know, you've got all these pages, but then you've only got this two-and-a-half-hour, three-act window that you can get people's attention for. So that makes – okay, I get it. Like it's – I'm just – like you look at the Russo brothers with Marvel, right? Those yeah, are, exactly. And as much as they're they're comic books, right? Let's get this right. There's comic books, there's graphic novels, and then there's adult literature, right? <laughs> there's and there's yeah. and the, you know, um, in that regard, it's it's kind of easy to do it with comic books because it's very segmented. Whereas a book, there's there's arches and it, there's plot development that takes a lot more time. So, yeah, I guess that kind of it's a fifty fifty shot, right? Yeah, but also at the same time, um, well, I watched like a I came across a TED talk um a couple weeks ago and there was a kid who yeah he did like a TED talk in in front of a lot of people but he'd mentioned how if you're going to adapt a film or adapt a book to a film at least own it and don't be kind of like oh maybe I should have did this kind of thing but like have the have the confidence that you produce this film and whether it's shit or not like you did it so Yeah, no, I I know I know exactly what you it, it, you you took on this project. So, uh, uh writing's on the wall, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're going to write it, just write it. <laughs> yeah, and you've got so much to go from and like I think the worst thing is is when it it's it's not just cut, but some bullshit is invented that didn't exist. And then you're supposed to just swallow it and say thank you. Mr. Director, because you adapted it to the big screen. And it's like, well, now you're making like 
like the the Game of Thrones comes to mind where they wrote so much of the books out and they were like, okay, our, our, where's your where's your new book for us to write? And then they just went off. Who knows that these two things are going to line up? They probably won't because that would just be ridiculous to make a script 600 pages long. Yeah, exactly. You know, but yeah, like own it. Totally. I get it. All right. Yeah. Um, I, considering you guys have done this, you probably got a good list of books under your belt. What are you reading besides Warcraft? Because Warcraft was already made into a movie, so I'm not going to let you get off the hook mm-hmm. that easy. Uh, <laughs> what are you reading besides, uh, or what are you reading that you would like to see adapted into a movie or have read? Um, that have read, well, I can't say John dies at the end because they already did a movie for that. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, it was like not the best production, but it was amazing. And it's my favorite. But um, there's a book. Can can my answer be um, a book or a book to be recreated? And even though they had a film. <laughs> okay. All right. We Yeah. That's, we're still inside the ballpark here. What is it? Um, I think, um, what is it called? I'm looking at it right now. Oh, shoot. I don't even know where my list is. I had a list. Oh, was it on the list you gave me? No, I I wrote it like a sticky tab. Now I don't know where it is. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Oh, no. This happens every time. (laughs) I yell at my... I am horrible to deal with in that regard because I always send annoying reminders about like make sure you bring all your notes guys <laughs> oh my gosh i'm notorious for it that's okay work. don't they worry about it hate me. we're okay. both podcasters I, I <laughs> under our first year if our fans don't give us some fucking slack who's gonna right <laughs> yeah exactly okay i found my i found my book um so i recently uh got into kelly armstrong like earlier this year okay. and she's um she writes like four uh, horror stories and like mysteries um there's this one book or book series that she did and it's basically about um this cop she moves to like a small town that's like no one knows where it is in yukon okay. and basically over there is um people have paid a lot of money to escape from their whatever's going on in their life in like oh, whatever city it's like a runaway town no one you just go it's one yeah way, okay yeah so in the book though um the way it was written um it kind of led it it, it kind of made you believe that there were uh um cannibals in the story because people were getting like eaten you have, and my, it was you really, have my undivided attention now <laughs> Not that you it was before. like really intense <laughs> So, like, going to the book, you're like, um, who is eating these people? Yeah. But I guess, like, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. It's a pretty big reveal, but um, I don't know. The way that she wrote it really made it seem like there were people eating people, and there was no explanation up until, like, the last, like, maybe 100 pages. And it was just, like, a literal jaw dropper. And you're like, what the fuck did i just read i and and nowadays that's what we need right because people get so complacent they're like oh i've seen it i've seen it i've seen it now you need you need a saw moment right where it's like i was in the room the entire fucking time yeah that's pretty much exactly what it was and it was amazing and like as soon as you get like 
a quarter way through, you're just like whipping through those pages like nothing. Okay, well, first of all, you're going to send me all the information on this um, writer and its book, and we'll put it on our website so people can probably go buy it because now I'm interested in buying it. And uh, Yeah, no, it's so great. <laughs> you've, you've fucking sold me. Great. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll say it like I've said it before, and I'll probably keep saying it a few times going forward. Uh, the whole premise of our show was to meet in my living room and argue movies and make up silly debates for them and basically real life meets real life was our cheesy fucking slogan Mm -hmm. and uh due to covid we can't do that which is fine um it doesn't even really bother me because we figured out how to take phone calls but uh in doing so we kind of stumbled upon the idea that everybody's at home stuck watching tv so we're all roger ebert we're all leonard cohen right we're all a movie reviewers or tv reviewers so instead of doing the debates that I can do with everybody, I figured, well, everybody's got something to talk about. So, Jin, this is where we come to what you have been watching. Tell the world what you've been watching. (laughs) I I want to talk about both of these because the second one I know a little about and the first one I know fucking nothing about. So, uh, Velocipaster is the title. Is that right? Was that a typo? Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay, so what the fuck is Velocipaster? (laughs) Um, well, first off, um, it's on Amazon Prime, if anyone's really, really interested in watching it. Okay. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you go through Amazon Prime, near the end of, like, the genre, there's, like, random movies you never think to watch. Yeah, That's totally. That's where that was. Okay. Yeah. So that was at the bottom of the bargain bin. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this movie is about, uh, yeah, a pastor. He travels to China after his uh, parents get killed um and then when he's in china he like inherits the ability to change into a dinosaur as you do and it's yeah i mean who wouldn't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) and then um so uh he meets a hooker and i forget how they meet some some something happened (laughs) and um yeah some pivotal moment yeah (laughs) it was very biblical um, he, she convinces him to use it to fight crime. And then, um, yeah, there was ninjas as well. I forget. I, <laughs> I don't <racist>. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And the ninjas were like, I, I don't know. You got to watch it to like, it's so bad, but at the same time, it was so good in the moment i guess i don't know no i i know exactly it's 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 a i I just refer to them all as a sharknado oh exactly that's totally what this is yeah and but it's like you can't stop watching it as soon as it starts you're like this is terrible but it's amazing like i (laughs) i want to do this (laughs) i uh i did an episode of beaver does movies and and I did his gauntlet where we, he actually like, we sit and watched movies until we couldn't watch them anymore. And one of them, like, I think the new thing is definitely Velociraptors are kind of taking over the sharks. I feel in the sea movie horror genre where you'll have like a a Velociraptor tornado, a Velocipaster, right? Like, it's just like anything that you can get a play on words. Let's make a fucking horror movie about it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> is anybody of note in it? Like, did did you be like, hey, I've seen that person from some other movie that was more important, or no? Oh no, no. these are like, 
like I I was in a film course so these are like actors who just need to get either practice or just need to have their name under a film (laughs) it's it's such a dirty business that like you like I love finding what famous people had to do before it was stuff that they were okay doing like all every actor actress actor fuck actress everybody's an actor um (laughs) uh they all had a thing that they're just ashamed of. And Evangeline Lilly has a thing and her thing. Do you remember? Well, they, they actually are still on TV. Uh, those late night phone chat commercials. Oh yeah. Pick up the phone. You know those, um, she yeah. was a model in one of those. <laughs> no way. I swear to Christ. I swear. <laughs> Cause it was like, Oh my God. It was roughly, because Lost came on like two or three years after I remember seeing it. And I was like, she's Canadian. That's Evangeline. That's the, the fucking, that's the slutty girl. Who's like, if you called, they'll definitely be on the other end of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh I my know. Gosh. Right. And like, that's what I love about shit movies now is that you, you're like, Oh, that's, they did that. That why would, well, everybody's got to start somewhere. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> so Amazon prime. Well, I, we, 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 me and my, wife here we prescribe to every streaming service known to man so um <laughs> we uh known to people fuck labels why am i doing this uh <laughs> <laughs> i uh so yeah we'll, we'll we'll probably look at it for 30 seconds and give it a minute more and uh, but we'll try it just on your recommendation all right <laughs> now you're gonna think why did she recommend this <laughs> okay jimmy on the show jimmy skinner yeah. He's the reason why we watch bad shit or like cheesy like he's he's that guy and he I've I'm blessed for it now for having that stuff in my life cuz it's better yeah. than an actual scripted comedy sometimes. Oh, 100%. It's just amazing, <coughs> especially like really crappy like camera pans. I don't know, some oh. of it just it's so good. <laughs> like a shaky cam shot where there's definitely no yeah. need for a shaky cam. It's just someone didn't have a boom at the time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> oh, but the second one, um, I know. I know Studio Ghibli. That's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Who is? Does the director of Princess Mononoke? I can never remember his or her name, but they they've done a bunch of movies like this like in a series and they hire well-known actors from america to do the voices is that the series i'm thinking of i or am i totally yeah. wrong way off here with my animation uh no they do get well-known actors yeah okay yeah. like like matt yeah. did matt matt damon um, do one or brad pitt is brad pitt and princess mononoke no um actually billy bob thornton's in there okay. and there's Mini Driver, Claire Dades, um, who's another person? Uh, Billy Kudrup. Kud- I can't say it. Crudup. Kud- yep, there yeah, you go. Yeah, almost famous, Billy Crudup. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, Big Fish, Billy Crudup. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I should probably watch it. <laughs> Big Fish is one of, it's, it's so not a Tim Burton movie, but it is a Tim Burton movie only because it's kooky. Like, yeah, it's but it's it's a really beautiful story. And it's uh, yeah, it's I, I dig it. It's fun. It's an adventure. Right. And I I'm in love with uh, you and McGregor. So 
it mm-hmm. just happens. But let's get back to Princess, Princess Mononoke. I have never yeah. seen it. I've always been told that the the who is the director again? Please tell me. I can't pronounce the name, okay. but I will try my best. <laughs> hey, heyo. Miyazaki. Yes, yes, that's okay. That we're both on the same mispronounced page, probably. Um, what is it that's so magical about these movies? Because everybody who I know who's in animation says they're like works of art. Um, I noticed. So I, I went to uh, Cineplex had uh, Studio Ghibli marathon. Okay. I think it started last year, and they finished in December, and they had a list of. They had everything from. Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, and, like, to this one, Princess Mononoke. Um, What I noticed is that it's just very calming, in a way. The way that they have, uh, like, the imagery and, like, landscapes and the music, it all just goes with the mood of the film. Um, But with Princess Mononoke, it's, it's got... I don't, I don't want to like stretch too far with it, but oh, play with it! It's I'll... fucking Play-Doh. Go. All right. Well, I noticed that the message for this film it um, it kind of correlates to like what's going on with the world today. Even though this film was made in 1997, Ooh, so well ahead of its time. Oh yeah, I feel like a lot of these movies were ahead of their time, um, because with this one, it's like. Uh, you have Princess Mononoke. She's like been adopted by the wolves or okay. whatever, like with the the animals of the forest. Okay, and you the have the wolves. You know the wolves in the forest. <laughs> yeah, the wolves in the forest. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that because I was like, is it a tribe name of people? You never know where they are <laughs> in animation. Yeah, yeah, clarify. everything's on the table. <laughs> but. Yeah, no, there's like a, I guess there's like a sickness in the woods and this boy, uh, I forget his name, I think it's like Ashitaki? Ashitaka? Okay, I, I, you cut I'm out there? Sure. I swear I thought you just said his name is Shitaki. I was like... <laughs> oh. <laughs> like the phone oh, cut out. <laughs> oh no, of course it came. <laughs> Perfect time. <laughs> Go on. Um, yeah, so this boy, he is running to find, like, the forest gods or whatever to cure the sickness that's going on in the the forest or whatever, or okay. in his land or whatever. And um, while that's going on, there's, like, a mining colony, and so they're destroying the forest. Or, oh. And, yeah. Some climate so, change, some, some there you go. raping Mother Nature's assets kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the the crazy thing that happened afterwards was they got attacked and like there was like a little bit of like a uh I want to say a war and everything was destroyed. Uh their mining colony thing was destroyed and then um the forest god um like he kind of was destroying everything because the his head was cut off at some point. This is, I'm not the greatest at explaining stuff, no, but I'm, the point I'm, is this, <laughs> I'm all ears. Um, but yeah, so the forest God, his head was cut off. So he started destroying stuff because, well, he kind of needs his head to yeah. you know, be a forest God. 
And, I saw Avengers um, Endgame. I know what happens when you lose your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really need one. But, um, yeah, and, like, when they returned his head, everything just went back to normal. Like, everything was green. Ah. Um, the mining, yeah. So, like, everything was restored to how it should be, which is not, like, chopping down every single thing in your past kind of thing. Use what so you it, need. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing I like about these movies. Like, there's all, I feel like there's a message for it. And, um, yeah, they're just, they're really pleasant to watch. And, like, if you're super into um, really beautiful soundtracks, these movies are amazing for that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's something I've been kind of playing with in the back of my mind for an episode about soundtracks and what's, like, maybe what's, one like what would be your favorite soundtrack your top five songs to like have like your walkout music and your fight music and your romance music you know like all the major scenes from a movie like what little five song soundtrack would you would you build so it sounds like you'd probably pull something from princess mononoke oh yeah is it like i could tell i could tell you my whole soundtrack probably but yeah no it's it goes from like so calming to like destruction i'm gonna go fight someone and then you know kind of like i guess how a movie would play out is it is it scored or is it is it soundtrack uh scored oh okay who do you know who does the scoring of it like is it is it is it somebody from japan or is it uh, another famous composer or is it we don't know i don't know that's I never fine went. <laughs> I didn't tell you to look into that. I'm just going off script here. <laughs> I'm a terrible fan. I didn't even look. <laughs> that doesn't make you a terrible fan. What makes you a terrible fan is if you can't explain it. That's what makes you a terrible fan. If you like something and you can't explain it really well, it means you don't know enough about it. That's Albert Einstein. That's but anyways, that's fair just, point. This, fair yeah. point. So you explain very well. So don't then and, and this is for this whole show is about approachability. No, nobody ever apologizes for how we don't we don't apologize for shits. So don't you start doing it on my show. <laughs> uh, oh, so, I forgot oh. to mention too, because yeah. um, you probably would know who this person was. But the English version was adapted by uh, Neil Gaiman. Oh, oh, yeah. yes, I, I totally know who Neil yeah. Gaiman is because I'm reading the only book I'm reading, uh, which reading on the shitter counts as reading, just not li- like lengthy chapters. Um, <laughs> so, like, um, American Gods is what I'm reading by Neil Gaiman, and. Oh. Which, if you're into fantasy and you want a fantasy, you know what? I was like, I don't think I've got a single thing I can talk to her about when it comes to reading a book and watching a TV show or a movie. But I fucking do. Oh, my God. There you go. <laughs> you just got to talk it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I've I've been reading uh, on and off American Gods, which it's great because the show is is literally about belief. And old gods who had simple ways of believing and how new gods are complicated and require more. And I mean, old gods wanted a blood sacrifice. That doesn't change anything. But like new gods want your data. New gods want your identity. New gods want. So there's like you literally have your Norse gods and your Indian gods and your African gods. And they each have a little bit of lore about when they're introduced into the series. Versus the book, which is better because you get a whole mini chapter before the actual chapter where they exist about their lore. So Neil Gaiman looks into African lore about African gods and then writes their story 
for you so that when you meet them in the book in their present day form, you're more um, you're more connected to them as opposed to just meeting a character that you're supposed to believe is a god. You've got backstory to it. Oh wow! Yeah, that's really cool. And it's wow. got it's got two series on Prime. Like there's sorry, two seasons of American Gods, and it gets weird. There's leprechauns. Um, what? Thor's dad <laughs> is in it. Um, it's it's pretty intense. Like I'm I'm almost bordering. In fact, I have spoiled just by mentioning Thor's dad's name in passing. But if yeah, if there's something out there that you want to get into, that'll twist your brain and. Oh, who does the cinematography for it? It's the same guy who did the cinematography for um, Hannibal, if you ever saw any of those episodes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I've seen that, yeah. So, like, slow, like the slow-mo shots are everywhere, just everywhere. Like, very violent, bloody, in-your-face gore when gore does happen. And it's great because, like, the old gods are are, like, powerful, right? and 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 have this bravado and this confidence but the new gods have like te- like you've got a god of technology which is like a little twerpy 16 year old kid with like infinite knowledge of like the internet and then you've got the goddess of tv which is jillian anderson by the way and oh. she <laughs> plays like all the old and new characters from television like she thrives in tv the god of media um <laughs> you've got You've got the God of Globalization, which uh, this makes me such a bad Back to the Future. Chris, it just came to me. Uh, Crispin Glover plays the God of Globalization. <laughs> so it's pretty, okay. it's pretty out there, and it's a lot of fun. And you get like you get like really wrapped into history with it because you're like, did this act, did this God actually exist, or is this just gaming like inventing it? Oh. Interesting. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I have the book. I just haven't um, read it. <laughs> It'll take a minute or two for you to kind of wrap your way around how it's going just because it doesn't start off in a traditional, like, you know, William sat alone in his room or the night was dark and full of terrors or whatever <laughs> have you. Yeah. And, like, it, it, it starts in these really, like, fragmented ways of just stories, but then those stories eventually blend into each other. So it's actually really fun to watch the TV show first and go to the book because you'll be dying for more backstory and you'll get it in the book. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to add that to my list. Fuck yes. Yeah. Ample (laughs) amount of time now. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, So uh, something you've told us what you're watching. Tell everybody what they should watch, something that's a cataloged favorite of yours, which I didn't even know existed when you told me about it. So I'll just shut up now and floor is yours. <laughs> okay. Um, so I got this movie. Well, I guess it's a TV mini series. It's a, I guess it's an adaptation to Alice in Wonderland, but it's a modern version, modern take to it. So okay. it's like, she's, this girl's in her like maybe late twenties. So it's, but uh, it's a Canadian film or series and um yeah so it's about three hours if you watch it in one sitting but it's actually really cool uh kathy bates is in it Ooh, kathy bates from american horror story we like kathy bates in this house mm-hmm. and then uh tim curry what um, um, um yeah tim curry's in it i'm looking at it right now here oh my god you're right call in it yeah. too wow yeah 
Wow. So it's a pretty There's good a, yeah. lineup, like, of people in it. And um, it's so... It's pretty quirky, in a sense, because it's, well, Alice in Wonderland and um, a, a, an adult version, more or less, Oh, okay, like, when you say... Not, say, a, not that adult. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not like adult like Pornhub, but like <laughs> what I mean is like like adult as in like it's not watered down and it's not like it's a little darker maybe, it's a little edgier, maybe a shit or an ass somewhere involved, like that kind of adult. Yeah, yeah, that way. <laughs> okay. All right, good. <laughs> but rule forty right, it's really what, good though. <laughs> some internet rule says if there's a movie, there's a porno about it. So I'm sure that's been fun. Anyways, fuck. That's <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to be the but day no, that we start really talking about porn on on the real debaters. This is not the fucking oh. day. <laughs> <laughs> Today and, is not that day. <laughs> no, it's not that day. Uh, um. Okay. So what? Like, what do you like about it so much? I think it's just that it's. Um, I don't know. Okay. Well, I really like the the main character um well he's like the rabbit but he's a human so i love that character he's very like weird and there's, there's kind of like a a little love story in there because you know i'm a sucker for that <laughs> um but no it's really good and like it's it's just fun to watch honestly you can tell it's a canadian film like i don't know if you noticed but you can tell when films are u.s made and canadian made just based on either like the... <laughs> what 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 checklist do you want me to pull out right now because i know exactly where you're going with this oh <laughs> uh, yeah because like i don't know you could just tell just by like the quality of it it's not absolute shit but you could just tell just based on like what camera they use and all that kind of stuff how they edited what kind of music they use that kind of feel to it it's the saturation of the film. I believe it's the access to actual cameras in Canada when you're making something in Canada. Um, you don't know this, but well, we all have daytime jobs. <laughs> podcasting, <Yeah>. podcasting is <laughs> a dream. Um, I work in equipment rentals, and I work with a lot of the movies in town. Mm-hmm. So I know the supply chain uh, shows that they want a certain camera. It's not that the rental companies in Canada have a lesser quality camera. They just have a different camera in their fleets. So you'll notice if above the border looks different than below the border, it's because why ship in cameras unless you've got a ridiculous director who's like, I must work with red cameras only. Or, you know, just get from the stockpile that you have in Vancouver and Toronto. Food for thought. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I, it's totally obvious. Like, I've, I, I want to do... I'd love to find like a Canadian version of something like Alice and then the American version and just put them on at the same time and like kind of feel it out and suss out where like why America and Canada make different looking media. Mm -hmm. But uh, what, what um, like if you're an Alice in Wonderland fan, either be a Disney or the Tim Burton recreation, or like there's a couple other randos out there that were like, low-budget indie movies of Alice in Wonderland. If an Alice in Wonderland fan watched this, would they like it, you think? I think they would, because it's, it's different, but it's just the same, okay. kind of, at the same time. Like how, say, uh, Riverdale is the adaptation of Archie, but really nothing like uh-huh. anything I ever read in Archie and Jughead comics. Is it 
like that or like have you seen stuff i guess i'm throwing shots in the dark here but did you did you see fargo i haven't no okay uh fargo loosely like basically what i'm getting at is is alice in wonder is alice loosely taking from it and going its own route or is it doing like is it tracing it out scene for scene but just maybe changing how the story goes um i guess it's because it's still like she still follows the uh, white rabbit and they're still like like the characters from the disney film they're still there but okay. in human form and it's more i guess kind of grittier okay and, like the yeah so it, it's traced out but not exactly I'm I'm still always on the lookout for like is it a reimagining is it a remake or is it a reboot? <laughs> yeah, I actually it might be a reimagining. Kind of if you like wanted to watch it in like a steampunk type. Okay, so yeah, that would be style. more reimagining because a remake yeah. is the same thing with just a slight change. Where a reboot is completely changing. This is what Jane Silent Bob have taught me um, that a reboot is changing the whole thing completely and trying to restart the whole series where a remake would be like, well, star Wars, new hope just needs a remake as opposed to remake rebooting star Wars, new hope to reboot the entire series. I think. I'm not yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it's definitely a reimagination. Yeah. Sweet. Well, before I let you go, I've been punishing everybody that I know with, uh, mm-hmm. would you rather, and uh, you're the only one actually I sent it to because I don't know you. So I was kind of like, let's let's feel <laughs> out the water here. I don't want to go too far because some of the shows we've done, I've been like, let's go as dark as we can here. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be the offensive person. So um, yeah. as you know, nobody else does. So I'll just reread it here. But we gave you a would you rather this week. Um, we gave you, <laughs> I just came with this, this one up on the fly. Uh, would you rather <laughs> ugly cry? in every sad scene in the movie theater or not be able to hysteric, not be able to stop hysterically laughing. Uh, I thought about this and I have like a really stupid laugh and <laughs> I think I would just rather cry. Just like snot coming down your face. You know, I just let it happen. Sobs. If it's sad, it's sad. Everyone's, I'd, I think I'd rather do that than have people like hear me cackle like a witch. Well, and like in the theater, <laughs> like see both routes are kind of like, it'd be funny if I heard somebody laughing, but then if they didn't stop laughing, I would be like, Hey, there's like, what's wrong with them? Like, are, are you like, are you insane? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like who let the dogs out? And then on the flip side of that, ugly crying like you'd be like everybody would be like oh wow they're really affected but then after a while be like shut the fuck up (laughs) so it's like which one do i want do i want someone yelling at me because i'm crying or yelling at me because i'm laughing (laughs) really yeah you're and that's the that's the great would you rather you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't yeah so (laughs) i think i'll say crying just because someone yelling at me because i'm crying it's like well you're a shitty person too because you're yelling at me because i'm crying <laughs> you know, that's I, my reasoning <laughs> i cry in like every like there was a scene on Shit's creek the other night that shauna was watching and it was like a dad scene like a father-son scene and like whatever divorced family didn't have a good relationship with dad so i have like this wickedly soft spot for like a father-son moment on screen yeah <laughs> and i'm like in the middle of playing battlefield and i'm crying because i know what's <laughs> happening on the tv <laughs> But I'm not fucking watching it. I can just hear the emotion in their voice. 
So like, oh no, <laughs> I would choose laughing just because I'm so easily fucking sob story in a movie that I'd rather laugh and then just be escorted out and whatever. Uh, anyways, well, Jin, uh, it, a it was a pleasure meeting you. As yeah, as people nice meet you. as people meet each other now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, my original plan was for you and uh, did you, was it Alicia? Did I hear that right? Oh, Alyssa. Alyssa, sorry. For you and Alyssa and me and Mark, we were going to do this thing here live. That was the original Inception idea I had for it. I even wanted to be like, tell us a book we should read and like really plan it out, right? Where like oh. we could all kind of yeah. like, like I would, we would do your version on our show, blah, 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 blah. And then the vid hit the streets and well, yeah. So, but for future shit and anything else, I'm, I'm trying to get around to all the different podcasts in Winnipeg as this kind of goes because mm-hmm keep us all talking keep the good vibes going you know not like yeah exactly ex- so i uh i'm i, I had a blast talking i'm hope you uh, did you have fun <laughs> oh yeah this is so much fun i i'm not very good at interviews so this is a lot this is very easy and then but you're also a very good host so well, thank you kindly. I, I didn't pay her and tell her to say that before she started talking, everybody. So that's a genuine. <laughs> yeah. This is a genuine moment that's happening right now. <laughs> it's never happening again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We really should start doing the like I'll, I'll when I post this, I'll be like, and one of the people was a podcast blind date. And we'll see if we can get that hashtag going. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on and doing a COVID watch with us. And uh, I will be in touch when all this stuff comes out. Uh, is there anything you want to tell people before uh, before uh, I let you go about your show? What to, what to find out about it? Uh, you can find us on Instagram. That's where I mostly have everything. So it's just Naked Bones Podcast. Hello. Hello. Jason. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I say this. I think I'm going to say this every episode. I laugh whenever I talk to somebody on the phone. Like it's ironic to me that I'm on the phone. <laughs> it is weird. It's I get freaked out. It's, I have I have a friend that phones me from time to time because he has a sales job and so he's in his vehicle a lot. It's the only the only person that phones me other than my parents who are in their seventies. Yeah, and it's so weird. I like it almost makes me angry. I have my phone like, what the fuck? Who's calling me? Yes. <laughs> How dare you bother me with your voice and tone and intention? <laughs> no, I. It's like I've realized I talk to. I realize the number of people I don't to don't talk to on the phone is bigger than the list of the people I actually talk to. If that makes sense, right. like, like I, it, it's so weird that the primary function of the device we're on right now is to talk to each other on the phone. Yet it is <laughs> the least used um, app, let's say, on the phone. Well, and there had been, you know, there was a century where it was the greatest invention of all time. It opened up human communication. Yeah. And now my now my take on it is I'm angry at it. Like. <laughs> what what a phone call get over it no i'm not taking that i bet you nine times out of ten i i say to myself internally no i'm not taking that no and then like i'll I'll give it 10 minutes and then i'll text them 
sorry, it was on another call, which is never true <laughs> because I never run a call. No, nobody's like when you're like, sorry, on another call. No, you weren't. What? Unless you were like on a pay phone, but you weren't on, you weren't talking on your cell phone on another call. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, um, it, first of all, it's great to hear your voice. We haven't seen each yeah. other forever, obviously, for obvious reasons, but yeah. we also. You're, you're feeling well? I'm feeling fan-fucking-tastic for, for it's, it, I'm not even par for the course. I'm above the course. I like I, like we talked about off cast. I look at it as a as a little bit of a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is challenging the species. This is challenging the globe. This is this is challenging our thoughts on climate change because shit's happening in the <laughs> background that we're like, oh, dolphins are in the, <laughs> canals, are alive in, still. the, the canals in Vienna, and and like you know, there's Timberwolves in L.A. Like it's just. <laughs> nature's like hey we're still here right just we haven't we haven't gone anywhere like like an aging actor man or woman and they're like i'm still good at acting you know i'm like (laughs) you know like that's what nature is right now so yeah um everything that this is causing it sucks but i'm like all right well if we're getting our metal tested then i i want to say that i have some metal right that makes sense yeah yeah um i got a a little i got a little worried that that, uh, i'm getting the rona there and so uh I don't feel great today. I took the president's uh, suggestion there. I've injected a little bit of bleach in my veins, and I thought I would feel better, but I don't feel great. Before, before I called you, oh, fuck. oh, I love, I love that that's somehow made its way into it because, like, each of these is being recorded on a different day. Surprise, right. huzzah! Right. So today is the day that that happened. Which, like, I, you know what? There are days where I'm like, this is a movie. This is not hap. This you can't write this. And 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 when they did write it, it was called Idiocracy, and it was supposed to be a joke. And now we're the punchline. Exactly. Ugh. Some days it feels like a movie. Then there's days today, like today, where it feels like the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. He's he's like the worst dominatrix, right? <laughs> they want to stick a light up your ass and inject you with chemicals, like. <laughs> I know that he really probably deep down inside has a soft spot for Hitler, but like the science experiments the Germans conducted during World War II, never to be done again. Sorry, don't you can't bring that back. (laughs) He's trying to get people to volunteer for it. Well, okay. Before I called you, a hundred. I think it's Maryland. I think it's a Maryland day. Maryland, one of their three eleven services, right? Like information. Yeah. Had a hundred calls related to disinfectant use no yeah yeah <laughs> oh no yeah. Cause it, that, that was one of my first thoughts is i'm like okay first i thought i can't believe he said that that's insane and then all of a sudden it slowly crept in i'm like he's not the only person in the united states of america that's thinking that yeah and someone's going to take that as the president said I should give this a shot. Someone's going to do it. Confirmation Someone's going bias to kill themselves. <laughs> Someone's going to inject themselves with bleach and kill themselves. Oh, well, there's going to it's going to be tomorrow morning. I hate that it's going to happen because that's some poor that's some poor person. But sure. it's you're going to that's going to be a statistic. He just made yeah. somebody a fucking statistic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Anyways, we could dwell on that forever, but I love how you, yeah. I love how you brought it. I love the wrapping. I appreciate that very much. Dovetailed that in there for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, 
like I've everybody's been kind of we've been looking at what what to talk about with each other because a lot of people I've never talked shop with so um someone might not be able to talk sci-fi someone might not be able to talk not that I can say I can talk you know all you know 21 colors of the rainbow here but um people who we have we have done this before on the lost episode. Yes, yes. The real yes. debaters. The one episode that was recorded and deleted and yeah. never made it to air. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> that one will be done again. And, of course, I think we should just redo it the way we did it and just make it better now that we have some sort of semblance of what the fuck we're doing behind the wheel here. So um, I was looking forward to getting a little bit more controversial with you because I know how we both have like a compass for a rabbit hole. Strong views. Strong views. Uh, Sometimes opposing. Mostly never opposing. But um, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about the the, the elephant in the castle or the princess in the castle at Disney, so to speak, which is that a billion dollar a year company um, laid off over 100,000 of its people and said, hey, you're on your own. Go get them stimulus checks. Of course they did. Now, okay. Just so that there's some specs there. I don't, I, I try to be as factual as possible, which is rarely ever, but today I feel that there needs to be some numbers. So the numbers I found, I'm not saying they're completely accurate, but closing the parks sure. saved them $20 million a day. Right. Okay. So $600 million a month. Exactly. Which that's the number that I believe it's saving. Give or take after taxes. I think it's saving. 500. Yeah, 500. 500 was a number, yeah. Okay. And confirmed 20 billion in liquidity in the bank. Yeah. And even if they gave 30,000 per employee, like went base salary instead of a wage, there's no doubt in my mind that it could be done. Now, the question I'm asking with all of this is, is that, and I'm not conflating because these are separate things because that's, the worst way to go but you look at going after a entertainer actor what have you and you look at their personal life and they've got some sins in there some devious ones some ones that are chargeable and and, you know put in jail for sure and but they've got a great body of work so you boycott the work because can you or can you not separate the two now that's that alone and that's devious and shitty but can you apply that same thinking on a lower scale and go can you separate the work from the studio? Well, see, here's the thing. We can. The issue's not, should we do that now? The problem is, we should have done it a decade ago. (laughs) They've been committing horrible corporate crimes for a long time, and we all know it, and we all just let them get away with it. Because it's not murder. They haven't murdered anyone that we know uh, of. It's murder by Dory, or it's murder by Jasmine. Like, it's, it's, it's fucking murder of the senses. Sure. <laughs> no, I, now I, it's, a, I, it's a nicely wrapped package, which you mentioned earlier that you enjoy receiving. Yeah, now, hang on. Before we even continue here, I'm a fan of Disney. I'm sure you're a fan of Disney on some level, right? Oh, no, don't assume that. Okay, that's gonna... I didn't know. That's why I'm asking, right? Like, I, I can... I... Well, you go... Keep going. We'll come flip back to me here. Well, I mean, on a corporate level, you know, there's Disney's been great at PR for a very long time. You know, I don't exactly know the date when it sort of left um, 
family management, if you will, legacy management. I think it's around 82, 85, somewhere in there. That's the, so, uh, yeah, well, what the fuck? That's sort of when, I think that's when I took over, wasn't it? Michael Eisner. Eisner and then, was it Ovitz after him? I think, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. You know, it, it went from being this, you know, imagineering, creative thing from Walt and his, his you know, his ancestors or his, his brother, you know, kids and grandkids and brothers, you know, it stayed in his family and it had that sort of family vibe. The park was a big deal because that's something he wanted to do. You know, his brother renamed the park Walt Disney world when he died. Um, so, but you know, once Eisner came in, once, you know, it became a mega corporation. Yes. That's when, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's gigantically bigger than it was in 85. Like many, many, you know, multiples of 10, you know, it's a $130 small, billion dollar company, you know, small, well, and, as of, as of sorry, the family, the family's retained to about 3% of it. So it's probably about 33 times bigger than it was when it was, you know, sort of sold off, became a, or a public trading commodity kind of thing. Yeah. I want to say that so, as of 2018, 223,000 employees in total. Right. So, you know, they've been a big corporation for a long time and it's, it's, it's been, you know, they stopped being, I think about the art and started becoming, how do we make money? How do we make the most money possible? I won't... And they've done a great job of that. Okay. All right. And to... I, but I, it's a little late <laughs> to start crying about <laughs> sour grapes um, when you got to go, you know. 1985, I can't even do that math in my head to figure out how long ago it was. It's like 35 years ago. I couldn't drive a car when that happened. You know, <laughs> they've been doing shitty things for a long, long time to enrich their shareholders, and nobody said anything along the way. But why would you so, expect it or even, even be suspect of it, right? Like you're Disney. Like you, like they clearly, 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 clearly the handoff went from a man who enjoyed what he did and, and, yeah. and made it for the people. And if you build it, they will come prove that theory 10 times over. Yeah. You bet. But I think when he left and the family got out, there is that, there is that transition where once it becomes somebody else's and not kept in the family, that's where yeah. that, I, 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 I think, I think it was the an, dream is gone. The dream is gone. Yes, company. exactly. It's a right. corporation now. So, and and now when you say the art is gone, I think the art is still there, very much so. I just think that the capitalist side has taken fifty percent of it, right? It's not gone. Like there is very, there's right. talent and there is amazing. There's still artists there for sure. Yeah, there's artistry there for sure. But behind the beautiful little Simba remake is a is a machine. And yes, like the you globe of corporate entities that Disney, like the family tree, just it, fuck it goes and it goes. But right can is is it are they I'm not, I'm not saying i'm not saying that they haven't done horrible things i'm just saying they've been doing it for a lot longer and it's a little late to the party for us to cry about it now okay did, right. is, does this surprise anyone no did anyone think that the shareholders are going to be like let's not take our dividends let's keep paying employees to do no work that's not going to happen in the u.s no as awful as that is that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take care of their people. Well, I mean, share and shareholders aren't even like as much as I want to, you know, not say nice things about a neighbor of ours. I, at the same time, um, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not what I mean. 
their leadership. There's nothing wrong. I mean, there are fans of, I'm, I'm sure the fans of us are not fans of Trump. And if you are, well, we're sorry, we just shit on your hopes and dreams. But uh, the point of what I'm saying is, is, is that like. Make real debaters great again. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just that like, it's, it's not the thing to do globally. It's not a thing that a, like, a corporation is designed not to give a shit. Right. And whatever right. charity it does give. Um, whether it's packaged with it's a, for PR. Yeah, it's exactly. It's yeah. PR. But like, okay, the question really is, is I guess it's a two parter. Should, should they, should they do something? Right. Should they, because when you look at, when you, when you look at it from both sides and try to have perspective for both, yes, these, some of these people break their backs to work for this company. And without them, obviously it doesn't exist. Right. But it, the flip side of that argument is, is that it costs $500 million to keep that park open and as much as they're sucking, like I went last year, I know yeah. I, I have one less kid. That takes, <laughs> you know, it, it, <laughs> the pound of flesh, man. And, but yeah. great experience. So to do this for $500 million a month, $20 million a day, eventually whatever they do have will be right. gone. Right. And then there won't be a job for 223,000 people in 2018 to come back to. So right. what, what do you, is it morally let me, their responsibility? Let me, put another, let me put another spin on this for you. So going back to the numbers, it's 600 million a month. They currently have, I think it's 21 billion yeah. in reserves. So they can basically keep paying all of those people for three years and be it even. Now, it's not good business practices, and I get all that stuff. But I'm just saying it's not like like if they did it for a year, it would cost them $6 billion. That's still not going to sink that ship by any stretch of the imagination. No. So there's that side of it. So they, if, they, you know, if they were run like a mom-and-pop shop where they're you know, at about even, you know, a couple hundred bucks in the bank each month up and down, you know, um, and didn't have that kind of uh, obscene amount of reserves – you know, what other business do you know that has over three, like three and a half years of cash reserves? Um, <laughs> like nobody. Federal Reserve? <laughs> Maybe. And that's only because they can make more when they run out. That's exactly you why know? I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's that, that side of it. Yeah. Um, it's a hard question to answer. And, he, and here's another thing. And this is where it really sticks for me. Now, I don't expect any company to keep paying people after they can't produce any income for that business. That's you know why we have our unemployment insurance systems and all that kind of stuff, and why we have our SERBs and whatever. You know, some countries have much better plans and programs than others, of course. But you know, uh, I get that. I don't expect any company to destroy itself to pay people that can't do productive work at the, at, at this point. And so I, I, you know, that's my, I have that instinct and I get that. Yeah. It's your ethos. Right? But at the same time, huh. they are going to pay this. The, so they're getting rid of all these people. Yeah. Here it comes yeah. all their upper management people. They're still going to pay them 1.5 billion in bonuses, yeah. billion with a B in bonuses. So they could either pay everybody and keep them in their, apartments and their mortgages and their car payments and feeding their children and paying for their, you know, whatever. I was going to say their, their health care, but they're actually, that's the only thing they get to keep is their health care. If they have 
if they have enough qualifying hours, which Disney yeah. tries to screw them out of on a regular basis. So that's another you know black mark on your soul, you dirty bastards. Um, <laughs> and so I think if you're facing that choice, should we give $1.5 billion in bonuses to these executives for the quarter? Or should we? I don't know if it's for the quarter or for the year. No, I okay. Hang on. Let's I'm, say it's, let's say it's for the year. I but wait, hang on. One point five. One point five billion goes to the shareholders. There's oh, that's the dividend. That's okay. the dividends. That's the payout, right? Because that's split over all the corporations that have a big chunk in okay. Disney. But all of the upper management, Bob Iger, foregoed his bonus. Okay. Yeah. So he's not taking his this year, and they they let him go. They hired a new guy. The new guy's name alleviate like just leaves me right now. But I he's yeah. been there for like a month and a half, and then they were like, "Fuck, right. uh, <laughs> get Iger on the phone." This guy does not know what he's doing because of COVID, right. not because of anything else. Yeah, yeah. So Iger, who has a backbone, and I mean, has been driving that ship for a really long time. As much yeah. as it, it's it knows the parts and pieces. Is it okay? Is it the environment? and the capitalist thought in America that doesn't allow Disney to do the right thing? Do you think it's the world they, they operate in the rules that they're constrained by for them? They're publicly traded. You can't go back. There's too many fucking hands in the pot, whatever corporate bullshit reason. Why do you think that no matter how dirty the machine is underneath, they are still like, they're like, we know we have to do this, but at least we can do this. Because I don't think everybody don't think would it's sell regulated Disney. for them. Well, yeah, but everybody would sell Disney stock if they knew they were going to do that because they don't drive the ship anymore. Walt's not going, no, this is not the right thing to do and having some ethical value. Everybody would devalue the company and it would go into the tank if they knew that that was going to happen. So that's the world they live in. Not a, and that's 1985. Yeah, that's well, that's the changing that's, of the yeah. we're 35 years later. Exactly. And so it's, you know, we, we've slowly consumed enough of the carcinogen, you know, we didn't get car cancer the first year, the second year, the 10th year, the 20th year, it's built up now and we've got agent orange in our system and we're all going to die. Yeah. You know, we're more on a moral standpoint, you and know, see now um, I can, it, it's because we, it's because that, that nation has let those little baby steps come along the way. You know, there was the big booms of the eighties and it was like all about making money. And that was good. You know, greed is good, as as uh, they say in the films. Uh, oh yeah, Wall Street, yeah. <laughs> Wall Street, yeah. You know, Gecko. Like, if yeah, Gordon Gecko. If Gordon that's going to be your, if, if that's going to be an acceptable value um, in your society, you you know, if you plant poison, you reap poison. You know, yeah. Like that's, no, I. That's, that's, that's a short term vision, and you know, and and they're suffering in lots of ways, and we're also suffering in lots of those sort of embedded ways that it's 10, 20, 30 years later. Now it's sort of time to pay the piper. Now you have a generation that can't afford to buy a house. You know, okay. Well, the rabbit hole, rabbit hole. Hang on, hang on, ago. hang on here. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to talk like... about movies or am I going to talk about politics? No, you're talking, you, you, well, the, <laughs> but you're actually talking, what the fuck was the name of the movie? Uh, with Willem Dafoe where like they show life around Disney world in Florida. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll get it later. I don't have the re the rest of the guys will figure it out. Um, okay. So all of this said and done, right? Yeah. Can you separate the studio from the content? If now what I'm now don't just think nice, pretty little, cute Lilo and Stitch, Mana, Hawaiian Rock, whatever combination of Disney characters. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a Disney movie that I like. Well, you like Pirates of the Caribbean. 
You like I it enough. Watch one twice. I yeah. Watch okay. One twice. Now, now, th- th- <laughs> see here's here's like the the reach. Not awful. Right. It's not. It, see, that's the thing. So like, you've you've seen a Disney production before. You've seen a Disney yeah. product before. They own yeah. TV networks, right? They own yeah. networks that pro but produce things. They're just not directly related to Disney by a, a fucking logo. So right. we like Disney products. But yet we're not, and it doesn't make us hypocrites. Well, I, I think it just makes us smart in a sense that it's like this is not a battle I can win unless this has many people involved. So I'll pick a battle that I more of my time is well spent if I'm gonna stand against something where like you know it it you can't you can't it, they're they're just too good at the same time while being too bad. It's a very unique situation. Sure, well, and, and you know the one of the the big keys in there, demographic, and 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 you know it would be nice to say, yeah, Disney's been screwing people for years, and we're not, we're all going to boycott it until they change their behavior. But they don't have to worry about that whatsoever because they know that everybody who's got a, a you know a rambunctious five, seven, nine, eleven year old at their house, they're not going to boycott them. Nope. There's no way. And so they have that security of knowing, you know what, we can do whatever we want on a corporate level, no matter how immoral or how horrible it is or how much it's just lining our pockets while, while people that work for us are starving and, you know, can't get health care, uh, you know, can't get basic wages um, because we're selling a product that people feel that they need. And they're also benefit from that public relations part of, you know, we all remember when we were young and innocent, you know, our hearts, our heartstrings are tied to all of those, you know, products of yesteryear kind of thing. And so my heart is you, attached to Deadpool. So <laughs> what do you do? But what do you do when you have a kid? You know, if you right. had a kid yeah. tomorrow, you'd be like, Oh, I can't wait till he's old enough to watch star Wars with me. Cause you remember See? when Disney. you were 10, Fuck. you know, <laughs> so all that stuff, you know, they, they also know that they can bank on that, on that. Yeah, good PR. We, good, you know, it is. It's obfuscated. People don't look at the corporate side of things, except for the investment bankers. The only ones who are paying attention to the horrible things that they're doing, you know. And I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna pull I, you. I I'm gonna pull you back again. I gotta pull you back. I can see this. <laughs> like I want to go down that road, but I'm like, no. Okay, so another day. Another day. But essentially, what we can say about this is, is that, like, in this scenario, I mean, like. I I can side I can side on the fact that I don't think it's their responsibility, but at the same time something's better than nothing. Right. Right. So I'm like I will hold them to task and say, well, doing nothing says something, but a little bit of something is more than doing nothing. And I think that's what people I think that's what would satisfy Abigail Disney specifically, because that's who went on a twenty two tweet rant on the whole thing, which her points sure. she's got, they're, they're not wrong. Right. It's just one of those, like be better scenarios, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. I can, I'm you still, can afford to, you can afford to exactly. And now is this going to stop me from watching your pictures and buying into your product? I spent 250 fucking us dollars on a lightsaber. And I already yeah. thought this before I went to Disneyland. So <laughs> it's not going to sway me at all. But so you, so it won't change your behavior whatsoever. It won't change my behavior whatsoever because you know what? If I'm going to change my behavior, I want it to be something better for me. 
and I don't think this will make me better. It doesn't make right. me better as a person. What makes me right. okay is what, like, I think personally disagreeing with them not doing anything is makes me a good person, <laughs> right? Like sure. standing on that side of the argument firmly and truthfully, if you want to define doing it. things like this, where you're voicing your opinion of it. You yeah. Know, if there's, if there's a campaign of positive PR to let them get away with things on one side, you're doing the other part of that. You're doing the corollary of that being like, no, I'm going to at least hold you accountable yeah. for thoughts and ideas and how I'm investing my time and how I'm, how I'm, what I choose to share with others. You know, exactly. So, I mean, and if, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what anybody listening to this thinks, too, because like the whole purpose of a good debate, be it um, the, the politics that Jason is so passionate about <laughs> or the movies that I'm so passionate about, whatever you agree or disagree on, because a good debate is sharing ideas and learning, not so much like I'm right, you're wrong. Fuck you. Right. So um I, I'm glad we got to do this because I have we, we me and the other guys we haven't really argued much and I was like no I need I need a good argument I need I know who's argumentative yeah, Jason I know where to stuck the fires so um, let's move a little forward here in yeah let's more. take a deep breath yeah take a deep breath about face hard left hard right um, I told everybody else I've said it before I'll say it again to you so we get the full picture of what we're talking about today. Uh, because of COVID, we have changed the show to speak to everybody in and who, anybody who's willing to speak to us um, about what they're watching right now, what they're into, uh, share with the world because we're all watching shit to get out of the way yeah, of yeah. you know ourselves and clear our minds from the daily COVID onslaught from the media. So uh, let's start. What have you been watching that you really enjoy? And I've got a couple here if you need reference. Um, I'm actually, actually, you know what? I'm even going to stop you from answering that and I want you to talk about good omens because I'm I'm interested in that myself and I think people should know that. Okay. It. Have you not watched it or have nope. you? Nope. I only know Neil wow. Gaiman is involved. Whoa. Wow. So the basic context of it, the structure of it is it starts in the start of days, basically Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, Give me the abridged version, not the version me and you would talk about personally. <laughs> Okay. Um, there's an angel and there's a demon that have been around since the dawn of time on Earth. Okay. And now in in the in, the, in our present time, which is the future for them, um, it's time for the Antichrist to come and for Armageddon to happen and for the big war to happen. Oh, and so neither like, of all right, neither okay. of they they learn to work together over time and neither of them want that. So it's the battle back and forth between heaven trying to start a war with hell. Hell dying to start a war with heaven, and these two lonely figures on earth trying on our 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 behalf to stop this and how it all goes. So, so humanity full, is somehow attached to the fight actually going down. Like they're like a third party to it. Well, when the, no, when the fight happens, we're all dead. Oh, oh, okay. So it is true. All right. <laughs> it's it's the, at the end of days, right? This wasn't just and, a campfire uh, yeah. story. <laughs> Yeah, so it's very, it's very. There's a lot of dark humor. There's a lot of uh, religious humor, not in an insulting way. If you're a religious person, just sort of in a clever way. So it's not, it, you know, it's not anti-Christian or any of that kind of stuff. Okay. So I don't think it would offend anybody. Um, beautifully styled, fantastic characters. Um, ah. I, I can't remember the guys that I can't remember their names. I wish I could remember the names of the actors. One of them was one of the new Doctor Who's. 
Well, this is what I'm and, here for, sir. You keep you keep talking. I'll bring it up. Yeah, can you look that up? Yeah, hang on here. You, yeah, uh, so, I don't have a Jamie so like Joe Joe Rogan does, so <laughs> I have to like people just have to put up with the fact that I have to do this all on my own, um, <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I mean, I, I don't I don't pull in the bank that like I'm so dumb right now. I'm typing. Joe Rogan didn't always have a Jamie. <laughs> no, he didn't always have a Jamie, and I mean, I'm looking for a Jamie. I can't really pay you in like monet like things that make you get other things but like we can talk about like some sort of like benefits program of like yeah yeah being able to hang out with us get you get you an intern my friend get an intern i'm realizing right now why joe has a jamie it's because when you're talking to somebody while trying to type your fucking left brain right brain don't work well (laughs) 17 17 letter k's in a row search no i i typed in google and then i typed in google again So what you're going to get out of this show, though, while you're looking that up, um, really clever, really thoughtful, and really thought-provoking. It's different takes on a lot of sort of religious stories. Um, it's different. It, you know, it's sort of an invitation for you to kind of reconsider your belief systems, what works for you, what doesn't. Wow. Um, you know? Wow. Okay. Um, all right. Really good show. Michael, and, and funny. Michael really funny. Sheen, first of all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> John Hamm. <laughs> yes. Jack Whitehall, who I don't know. Yes. If, have you watched anything from Jack Whitehall on Netflix? Tons of his stuff. He's a big British comedian. He does a bunch of the TV shows that I watch all the fucking time. Like the, like the big fat quiz of. He's on those lots. Love him. Um, he has a series with his father where they travel around the world together on Netflix. <laughs> and his father is a very well-known agent. Like, Okay. Entertainment agent in London, like yeah, yeah. the equivalent of like CRS in uh, in the states. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Jack Whitehall has a has a number of uh, comedy specials on uh, Netflix as well. Yes. Okay. Shauna, huge fan of Jack Whitehall. Me, huge yeah, yeah. fan of Jack Whitehall's dad. Like they're they're <laughs> shit together. Like they travel the globe at one point. Like right. they're in Spain and Egypt, and like his dad is very posh and he's very right. millennial. It's super bratty, yeah. Oh my god! Like, if you're so, I back to Good Omens in a second. But tangent: if you have never seen a Jack Whitehall production on Netflix, Jason and I both stand behind them one hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. Um, Francis McDormand, Michael McKean. Like, there's this is a cast. This is a crazy. What's the name of the guy? What's the name of the guy from Doctor Who? Um. Oh, David Tennant. David Tennant. Okay. Yeah, I skipped him because there I don't watch go. Doctor yeah. Who and I don't know anything about it, so I can't. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> and he's he's the devil. He's so good at it. They're such a good pair. Okay. Really good. Um, I really liked Michael Sheen, like Frost Nixon, Michael Sheen, yeah. um, Underworld, Michael Sheen. Uh, yeah. Masters of Sex. Shauna was super into him on Masters yeah. of Sex. Like he's, and he's he's the angel. Like I've he's seen. A, he's a real actor in yeah. that he does these like crazy diverse roles and like a hundred percent believable all of them. He's got range for sure. Yeah. yeah. And he was in a movie See, from Frost Nixon to Good Omens. We'll be like, what is that? He's one of those guys where you're watching yeah. like halfway through like. Is that that guy? Holy yeah. shit, it is. He was in Tron too, the sequel. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he was like yeah. the DJ club owner in Tron. Like yeah. he's okay. So, what what's your favorite thing about Good Omens then? Um, I think what makes you smile the most? 
just how thought-provoking it is. Okay. You know, like like I felt when I was done watching it, I'm like, that has served me. That's that's made me a better person. That's expanded my horizons. Um, you know, it's not just mindless viewing. Here's a story to occupy your time for the next active eight hours. active watching. Yes. Right. Okay. You betcha. Yeah, and that's, there's like a payoff. You know, it reminds me it, it kind of that same sort of feeling I got from watching The Good Place. Okay, which was also on yeah. your list, which I watched the first season addicted like I wanted to inject it into my right. veins. The second <laughs> like season. Addicted like, to yes. it like it was bleach. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> I wanted the good place in me like Lysol doesn't want to be in me. <laughs> like it's it was so thought provoking and I loved how what you thought wasn't what you thought. Like I like a good like yeah. that's that's getting Westworld did. Yeah. Right? So yeah, it's not a story I've seen before, for sure. No, and I mean that cast, obviously, when you know, like like Modern Family or Big Bang yeah. Theory, like when a cast really gels together, yeah. you can see it on the screen. You're um, watching and you're like, no other people could do this. No, no. And Belle, Belle is her own category. There's that. There's nobody. Like I'll, I'll for days sit down with somebody and, and they'll be like Keith Ledger and then I'll be like, well, Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Like there's always a yin and yeah, yang yeah. to it. Yeah. But she's i mean like it's obvious you know what was the biggest standout in that for me though dancing ted dance ted dancing <laughs> who i would have given zero credit for anything good ever <laughs> and then i watched it and i'm like i need to look at what he's been doing for the last decade because this guy's fucking amazing yeah no he's he's brilliant. got some comedy chops that you're he's like good excuse and me? not just funny he's got some acting stuff in there that i'm like wow yeah, no, he, I was impressed. He does. He does. And I, I do want to get back into it, but uh, um, I want to know two more things before we kind of wrap this thing up here. Um, the comfort movie question is... Comfort movie. I don't think people realize that they have one until you ask them that question. Because I was asked that question, right. and I was like, I don't think I have one either. And then I started looking. But it's, right. it's the movie that you can... The way I define it, and I mean, it is anybody can define it any way they want yeah. but i go the one that you can fall asleep to close your eyes and still see the movie right just by hearing the lines in the background very quietly right like something that's comforting that yeah, brings yeah. you peace that every time you watch it you feel a set like like mama's mama's baked cookies right and you right. smell it and you start to feel better that was my al pacino impression that should never be done again <laughs> Oh, oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> I thought you had a frog in your throat. No, that was, that was Al Pacino from any given Sunday, everybody. Uh, <laughs> you want to throw the ball, right? No, anyways. Um, Isn't that Al Pacino from every movie? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Every time I want up, they pull me back in. Uh, I'll never work on that. What is your comfort movie? Yeah, so comfort. I don't know if I would call it a comfort movie, but it is certainly probably the closest thing I have to a comfort movie would be like an uplifting movie. Sure. There's one. There's one movie that literally, when I am a broken man, when when someone has crushed my heart, when when work has just devastated me. Oh, Human and Centipede. I just want to cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I'm just falling apart. If I watch Joe versus the volcano, that's the movie that turns it around for me. That's the movie that reminds me why I'm alive. That that gives me the strength to keep going on and to turn it around. And it's also the movie that 
you'll know if I'm serious about you as a girl. Oh boy. When I when I sit down and watch it with you. That's a that's a big right one because the, that's... right around the one month period, <laughs> I'm probably going to tell you I love you, and then I'm going to watch that movie with you, or I might do the movie first to decide whether I want to tell you that I love you. I don't think I've dated anyone in the past thirty years that hasn't watched it with me because I, I wanted yeah. them too. <laughs> I, it's I totally get it, and like it really, I mean, it's. You would not believe how many people say Tom Hanks movies. Right. Like it's, there is, there is just something universally, which is why like whenever you hear about a new celebrity, like going down for being a real fucking shit heel, (laughs) I always lose a little bit of, I'm like, don't let it be Tom. Like just, you know, (laughs) exactly. Tom's been touching people. Oh no. Every, anybody but Tom. (laughs) Please don't do it. Like I can, I can live with, like I don't know Anthony Hopkins or mm-hmm. Mel Gibson or something, right? Like not, I don't even think anybody's as cozy as Tom Hanks, but Tom right. Hanks plus Meg Ryan equals comfort. Yeah, well, and she's in it as well. Yeah. I actually, I actually own a copy of the original. I think they call it an eight sheet, like the full size movie poster that goes outside the theater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I even like made a point of getting one of those years and years and years ago. You'd never find one now, probably. But he just has that relatable. Like that that secure hand on a shoulder from a dad feeling, right? Well, even more even more than that for me, it's the writing and it's the themes and it's the direction of it, you know. Oh, and okay, I get you it. know. And so, like my like myself, and as a result, for me, my sister, and also my niece, when we watch it, we can say every line, every single line. I, I could sit and do the whole movie, start to finish, you know. <laughs> and there's, I've, I've taken lines out of it that I've used throughout my life. I use them at work. Um, you know, um, I remember in, in the last, you know, the last woman that I was in love with, I remember saying to her, you know, I've come a long way down a crooked road to find you, Ooh. you know? And that's obviously that's, yeah, no, we're not that good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not from our tool belt. <laughs> So that's so it's, it's bled into my life that many ways, you know. So I, I don't know if I would call it comfort, but it's certainly a part of me, and it's certainly a place I go to when I'm in trouble. It's like it, it turns me around, wakes me back up. No, I I totally I get it. Do you think that like subconsciously, like we'll go a little deep here, because I know you're just circling the deep end, and I, you're just come on, let me go. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that when you want someone to watch that movie with you you want them to see what you like in it and have a kinship over that is that kind of like like why you do that like everybody has that movie that really speaks to them about their turmoil and like you know you'll trip on it right because the odds are good so many fucking movies are made you'll find one that really relates to you um because i've seen stuff and shown women stuff um in the same regard so i'm just do you think that might be do you think that might be something you're looking for? <laughs> well, I guess because the themes that are in it. Um, yeah. You know, if someone, if I watch it with someone and they said that they hated it because they didn't find it funny, I couldn't give two shits. That wouldn't, I, okay, whatever. If they watched it and didn't get 
why his journey and the way he goes through things and the things that he discovers along the way are important. I, I'd be highly doubtful that I would ever sit down with someone like that in the first place to watch it. You know what I mean? It's like get along with somebody at some point. So for me, when I'm doing it, it's not, it's not a litmus test. I'm not saying like, does she get it or not? It's, I know she's going to get it. And it's something that I want to share from my heart. And it's, it's for me, yeah. it's such a big part of who I am that I want to share that in a way because almost nobody's ever seen it. It's a I've seen <laughs> Tom it once Hanks, and, Meg Ryan movie yeah. that no one's ever seen. I've never really met anyone other than my sister and my niece who are like, yeah, that is a good movie. Um, and for me, it's the best movie I've ever seen. Just yeah. because, like, obviously the production value is not but just because of what it speaks to me, you know? No, I, I 100% get that, which is, which is why everybody has like, you, you don't have to be a fucking cinephile or an addict or, you know, anything. You don't have to be anything pro about this. Everybody has that movie that, you know, they can watch all over and over and over again, like the Reddit questions. Right. Like, so, and I mean, right now that's what these movies, that's when they come in. That's when they're key. I guess, right? right? Which is why I want to know what everybody's favorite comfort movie is because I want to know yeah, yeah. if I'll find comfort in it too if I'm having a minute, sure. right? And they're like, this is what it conveys. And then if I don't get that, but I get something else and I get another movie in my belt and, you know, that's what I fucking live for. Not food, not yeah, love, yeah. not clothing, not shelter. I live for movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for, and, you know, for me with that movie, when you were talking about like in what context do I share that with a partner? Um, it's very much akin, I think, to if you have a kid and you like you want to watch Star Wars with them for the first time. You want to share that with them. You know, it's like I get a present for you. Here, check this out. It's one of my favorite things. No, no, it, and and it's like a book, right? It's just a moving book. Yes, at that same point. thing. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's a book beforehand, and then it's butchered into a movie, and <laughs> the director never gets another job again. <laughs> So um, this one I'm going to ask you on the fly and we didn't really talk about, but it just kind of popped in my head. Uh, What movie cliche are you kind of tired about? Off the top of your head. Well, now that you I don't know if it's a movie cliche, but I'm sick and tired of watching the exact same Star Wars movie over and over and over and over. You can make a different plot. (laughs) Okay. You don't have to blow up the Death Star three times. And then, oh, it's, have a brand new movie for you. What are you going to do? Let's blow up a fleet of ships. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, every one of those ships can destroy a planet now. Okay. All right. I don't so, know what the next story. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't so much call that a cliche. Like a cliche would be like a cute couple meeting in a coffee shop, right? It's been done, right? But what I would call this um, is an airing of the grievances. So continue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you have an aluminum pole anywhere? <laughs> No, I okay. All right. So what you don't like is you don't like you you don't like a lazy studio who doesn't who buys yeah who buys a very important thing to a lot of people. Like in layman's terms, a lot of people love this thing. Doesn't matter what the thing yeah. is, but in this case yeah. it's Star Wars. And then another company who's like, Well, we have the money to take it to the next level, which everybody's yeah. been like, Oh, this thing, it needs another three things to make this thing complete. Yes. Just multiply it just mul- exponentially. Yeah, right. And then they do Star that. Is scary. Let's make a thousand. The next movie will be a million. I guess. Uh, fuck. I don't. 
<laughs> I just to 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 express like we because with the way COVID worked and and not everybody mm-hmm. watching Star Wars because it really wasn't like two of us went and then I think it really infected the group right. about giving a shit to go and not everybody's seen it so right and it's been so long since it came out we were like well we'll talk about it later when it's like not cool to talk about anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh i just it was like okay great force awakens i get it don't take that big of a risk restart right. what started it all but i guess the I just, following two they're, they're, dumps. They're the worst movies what was the first one when disney took over force awakens then okay Rogue one. that was good i was so excited for that and then, then the Rogue last one Jedi. i'm like Ooh, they're getting it. And I'm like, oh my God, they dropped the ball again. Yeah. I think Last Jedi is the one that starts with the big battle in space and they're dropping bombs in zero gravity somehow. Yes. And I'm like, if you don't understand how <laughs> physics are, you should get your ass kicked out of that writer's room. Oh God. Because yeah. it's not that hard. Well, okay. See, it's not I, that hard to plot that in. No, I know you're right. And like asking, asking fans to believe that in the canon and the lore that they probably would have put a thruster on the top of that bomb so that when it came out, it engaged the thruster and shot it directly down. No problem. It's a little missile. No problem. Exactly. But what they're doing is they're not including that, but they're asking you to believe that because they had the faith, like there was faith in Star Wars 1, 3, 4, and 5. Sorry, four, five, and Again, six, and then one, two, Disney and Disney knows they can get away with anything with Star Wars because people love it. Yeah, so I know. Let's just make a garbage movie instead of being like Walt Disney would have done and said, "Okay, people love this thing we've made. How can we grow it? How can we make it even better than what they expected it to be?" And that's why all his movies got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's the the because he talked to your heart. <laughs> what does right? your heart tell you <laughs> yeah no i get it i get That's it all I he guess, did i guess it doesn't even it's not that it's the mismanagement of the director for the last jedi i really i've said it before and i actually put it in a thing i wrote to get into red river community college yeah. which at the time wasn't so eloquently worded but maybe i can say it a little <laughs> better now that i don't have to write it out um i Ridley Scott saying that Ryan Johnson getting that picture, you don't give a guy who's never gotten over a $40 million budget a $250 million budget. And so is, but is, is, it, is that the first one or this last one? That's the, the middle one. The one where the, okay. the, the, one where the wheels yeah, fell yeah, yeah, off yeah. because yeah. Um, it essentially... Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> because of no gravity, yes. Because gravity exists. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, but like, my my point is, is that the the mismanagement of the franchise doesn't come from a bad script. It came from a bad writer director, and like that was a lot to like. He did he did the Brothers Bloom. Mean, like, some, he did Brick. somebody's written those scenes though. Yes, they have. Here's, but when this is my biggest beef with all of Hollywood. They had these movies with great potential. Maybe they have great intellectual properties, things that I like stylistically, you know, and I'm excited for. And they pour, I don't know, one, two, three, $800 million, whatever, into this budget. Make this blockbuster, this, you know, make a movie that costs no object. And they can't be bothered to hire a writer who can't write anything that isn't garbage. <laughs> and it's 
so insulting. I, like, there's no excuse for Transformers to be stupid. There's no excuse for Star Wars to be stupid. No, Take a right. half a million dollars and hire five best screenwriters, give them however much time and resources they need to write this movie that's in this world, that follows this canon, and is good. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's I no just, excuse. I, well, I but to cut hum, humans who are doing the writing some slack, I feel that Star Wars casts a big shadow. Like... The the hype that's gone like they get a day, they get a fucking they get the fourth of May okay then they have Star Wars Day in the fall, they built a place that is an identical replica to it. It's an industry unto itself. There are like it's not like going in and writing the sequel to Alien where it's like yeah they made toys on it and really yes okay it it's it's still a big budget but it doesn't have the following by any means right like you not only do you have studio pressure but you've got uh, fan Bear pressure. in mind, before you're too forgiving, after the first three movies, they made three of the worst movies I've ever seen. Well, so it's not like the expectations were so good. It's not like I wouldn't want to write, you know, <laughs> they were the lowered. second movie. I'd have been nervous writing Empire Strikes Back, but then they did a good job. You know, and I would have been really nervous writing Yeah, you know, but there was the no... Jedi. They've all even said... And then after that... The wheels didn't fall off the cart. The cart exploded into yeah. little pieces. Well, okay. So they're picking up scraps saying like, well, how can you, after those, those middle three movies, how could you do wrong? Here's, but you also have a you guy who's. You a five-year-old write it. You have a guy whose best work, well, not best work, well, yeah, pretty much best work. You have Lucas's, you have a really stellar <laughs> set of, of like, of, of content. Right, you've got these three, and then you take this long nap, and then you come back thinking that you haven't built up any rust. And like, right. I mean, even Beethoven would probably be like, "Can I have a couple of weeks to practice?" If he, you know, sure. come back from the yeah, dead, exactly. right? Like, if you if you don't yeah. use it, you lose it. <laughs> to quote forty year old, they weren't Virgin. that good to begin with. At best, yeah, they no, they were back to that level. They they have you a know? they have a charm and a romance to them that sure they were ahead of their time. And, and that's exactly, it's the same thing that made Shakespeare famous. There's much, much better playwrights alive right now that can speak to me right now. But we all know about Shakespeare because he was sort of the first guy to make it big. I'm going to do something. Star Wars was the first serious science fiction movie that came out, wasn't embarrassed, didn't look bad. They did some special effects stuff. that had, they, they changed that game. All credit to them for that. <laughs> so in the end, it's really much ado about nothing. <laughs> Shazam! <laughs> I was like, I can see an alley oop coming a mile away. <laughs> Cake or death? Hello, darlings. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I I have tried to break from laughing every time I call somebody because it's just the weirdest thing to do that you just <laughs> don't do anymore, really. For for pleasure, you either message your friends or you see them. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah. the talk. This is perfect, right? Yeah, like I, it's it's kind of like brushing the rust off the trike, 
you know, and or off the training wheels, I should say, not so much just the trike, but um <laughs> training wheels on a trike man you're you're starting slow i like that you're very cautious all right well society feels at this point we're all gonna need training wheels on our trikes <laughs> you know what yeah like the with 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 all things covid which is a really hard thing to paint with a broad brush but um i'll attempt to do it i think our social game as people like it, 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 I think we should all film it like a game of survivor where we see how well our social mm-hmm. game is after six weeks of not hanging out with each other. I, uh, I think that, uh, you know, like I'm even, we're watching something on TV earlier today and it's just like, there's hugs and handshakes happening. And my immediate gut reaction is like, that, that looks wrong. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we get back into real life. And it's just like, it'll be like being released, like, like any animal that's been, you know, caged for a while. And we'll just kind of, walk cautiously around people and it'll be like hug hug no hug no hug i don't know what to, uh, it's gonna be really strange for a bit i think it is strange i had the the training ground of coming back from two mat leaves and that is like socially yeah. kind of weird where like you don't really know what to talk about anymore because you don't all you have is like talking to your baby and so <laughs> it's gonna be i think i already kind of know what it's gonna feel like and it's it's very weird yeah, and like with with negotiating the the touch thing, like handshaking is such a archaic way of greeting people, but like it's just tradition, right? Like it. Yeah. So how are you going to signify? Like a lo- there's a lot of things that are sold in a handshake. So yeah, that's very true. Like we'll we'll. I think though. I was going to say, I think we're burying the lead here, though, that uh, Denise just admitted that she didn't talk to me at all during her both of that leave. Well, I mean, now I've just admitted it. She just ignored me the whole time. So were, were you in social isolation for, like, the last five years, Doug? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was actually just out drinking. <laughs> well, Thinking for his family. <laughs> okay, all right. I want to laugh with you guys because I haven't talked to either of you or seen either of you in a very long time, but I want to laugh about what we're here to talk about. So, and I feel between the three of us, this, this has been one that I have been and all episodes that we've done so far, which as of this week was 40, which is surprising. Like I, I kind of was like, we were creeping towards 50 and I was like, great, we'll do something for 50. Right. Cause it's kind of like the podcast cherry, right. You get to your first 50 mm-hmm. and then you can, right. you, you can start saying you're going to be around a little bit longer. And then I was like, Oh my God, we're 10 episodes away. And now it's this lovely format, which we've been forced to do, but it's also a blessing at the same time because I get to talk to everybody who I would normally see. I can just be like, well, I can't see you. So let's do the episode we were talking about. And here we are. This is stuff we would talk about anyways. Exactly. We happen to be being recorded. Yeah. No kidding. It's just for entertainment instead of posterity. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I originally wanted to talk to you guys about, um, I guess the whole purpose of the show simply was, we wanted to talk to everybody because we now realized everybody is their own Leonard Cohen or their own Roger mm-hmm. Ebert, right? So mm-hmm. we've all got watching lots and lots and lots of stuff in common. But then I was like, all right, get a little deeper than that. What's it like being a parent, right? Where previous to COVID, television was something that you would either share as a family or you would monitor. But now that there's oh, your, your entire tool belt as parents has kind of been taken away from you, all you really have is is a lot of media at your disposal right unless you're creative so 
I guess two questions. First, how do you guys as parents work with Rosie and Alice when it comes to watching stuff? And second to that, um, what are the ways that you've kind of, what, what are some of the cool things you've come up with to like get them out of watching too much TV, movies, YouTube, what have you? Ted, you want to take it first? Um, sure. I mean, um, it's be- definitely been a challenge. Um, Denise has heard me say this a few times. Being a, being two full-time um, employed people working from home while having your kids at home, keeping them educated and engaged, uh, being their teacher, it's, it, it's kind of like you know, being a parent is, is you know, you, you have two full-time jobs, right? You have your career and then you have your uh, your family life. And uh, from wake up till, you know, at least like 8.39, you know, you're just working full-time. Well, in this case, though, with, with what's happened, it's really like you, take, you, you do one and then you do the other. Now you're doing them all at the same time. You just mishmash the two full-time jobs. It's like working in a restaurant, serving tables, and then in between tables going out and doing an oil change and uh, all <laughs> – all the while, the, your customers are yelling at you for something uh, like sour cream. Um, and, uh, and, <laughs> and so you're like, what do you want, 40 WD? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's, The mind switch, the constant mind switch that you have to be on, it, it's been it's been really uh, originally very hard. Uh, now, you know, you kind of get into a rhythm, but it's still quite challenging. So with, you know, obviously, like, screen time was really important to us. So we try to limit it where, you know, um, we're pre- we're a little conservative about it because we know, especially with you know uh, devices and stuff, that we don't want to um, uh, have them too addicted to it, and they're so addictive. Um, and so at the same time, though, we just need we we need that time for us to work. We also need uh, we don't want them we don't want them to be luddites. We want them to understand the technology that's available to them. And so um, everything from we're using a lot of like teaching videos online. Um, you know, Rose is learning her ABCs in French, and uh, and then we're also kind of doing some interactive games as well. Um, and so, um, aside from that, we're not too. Ha- oh yeah, well, she's also doing like exercise, so she's doing yoga every day uh, with a, a show called Cosmic Kids, which is really creative. They, this woman tells you know popular stories while integrating yoga into it. Um, but aside from that, you know, it's still pretty regular. They usually have movie night on Friday. I think we've added a movie night kind of on Wednesday, sometimes on Saturday. Um, the occasional shows here and there, they usually need to be educational, um, for the most part. Um, but, um, yeah, the balance is tricky. Um, and I know Denise kind of deals with it a little more in the day to day. Um, um, but I think overall we're, we're trying to balance it as best as possible. What about your thoughts on that, Denise? Yeah, I mean, pretty much what Doug said, like, you know, we try to keep screen time to a minimum. And I feel like we're still doing pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I was expecting a lot more, but I think now that we've found a little bit of a routine, because we've been home with them for, like, I think we're on day, like, 45 now. And so it's kind of like, you know, it does exist. We do rely on screen time in, in certain occasions. Like, I have a 930 call every day with my work, Doug is usually on a call at the same time. So that's when we'll do like, yeah, English ABCs for Alice. And so I'll put it on and it's like a half hour thing of like nursery rhyme. Great. It's the same thing every day. They know it's coming. Um, and then Rose, her teacher provides a lot of um, online teaching tools and like videos and stuff that she wants to have them do. Or it's like, Oh, a tour of the San Diego zoo today. So we go on the screen for that. And you know, it's a lot of, um, a lot of it, I feel like it has a purpose. It's not strictly entertainment. And then we still have our, like, I feel like it's not fair to then say, well, you've watched all this TV today. Like, you can't have anything fun. Yeah. So 
we still have our, our like fun movie times where they get to choose what it is. Alice, I mean, she doesn't watch a ton of TV. She's only two. So it's, I'm still pretty hesitant to have her watch too much, but like she sat down for a movie with Rosie last night and oh my gosh, she was like just (laughs) fixated. It was so funny to watch. And like, you know, she has a five-year-old sister. She is pulled into like princess world, which is just, yeah, I can't even. Oh, And then she just wants frozen to all the time. Too much. So I think it's finding like finding these shows that are a educational and B that aren't just going to like, annoy the hell out of us because they want to watch them a lot so we have to be prepared for that mm-hmm. i like i as, as soon as this whole thing started like when when lockdown occurred and everything was like very um totalitarian not not really but like you know what i mean right mm-hmm. like our our yeah. mm-hmm. our first experience with a government lockdown i guess um i couldn't yeah. stop thinking about all you guys with kids i was like oh oh this is exactly but it wasn't it wasn't like being parents all the time it was none of that stuff it was it was the fight with media it was the fight with the phone with the television with the youtube channels and and just like because continuity has been taken away from you where it's monday to friday or there's some sort of routine mm-hmm. right like routine's been broken so how do you replace it? And it's interesting that you say everything's educate or you try to make everything educational. I, as a 37 year old man with Shauna have been trying, we've been trying to make everything educational because, you know, you can only watch Endgame so many times. I mean, 37 <laughs> times. I don't feel is enough. I don't personally. think that's true. I know. I, I agree with you. You can watch it forever. <laughs> You're like, I think I've got it. I think I've figured out how to go back in time. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I need the movie enough. <laughs> but Sorry, spoiler. You do get to the point where I'm like, okay, like we've we were we were doing some of the zoo tours. We were looking at like um, some cameras that are set up in different zoos around the world as well. Like just something that challenges your brain, so your brain just doesn't get turned into mush, right? And, and go ahead, Doug. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, like, you know, it, it's all within the same realm of why, as humans, we need purpose, right? And um, so we're trying to do purposeful. If we're stuck in this situation, then hopefully something good is coming out of it, rather than we're just running on a treadmill, uh, figuratively speaking, of course, uh, or even kind of regressing. Yeah. And so uh, I think with you, like, obviously with our kids, we want them to learn their in their you know, prime times of learning and we feel that responsibility. But, you know, then there's the there is the guilt and the pressure to as adults also then make something better out of this. And when we're in a groundhog day situation, especially when you don't have kids to keep you distracted, um, I think that uh then you're really trying to find some opportunities to to grow from it. And so I think a lot of people are doing that. Everything from taking courses, start you know, I'm starting up a separate company. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm running oh. out of time. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to find the time to do that. I think you know. Um, again, we're kind of just trying to keep our head above water. And yeah. luckily, with Denise, she's a you know she's mainly doing editing a show right now, and uh, and she can kind of move her schedule around. Where I'm kind of locked into a lot of client calls, um, and then you still have like busy or you have focused work that needs to get done. And so just trying to keep that going. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's just, you know, regardless of your situation, I think there's just a desire for purpose. And when you don't have that purpose anymore and you're just sitting there kind of defeated, that's when you really start to get into trouble. Yeah, that is some serious murky. Well, me and we've done four weeks of paint parties, the Art and Wine group in Winnipeg. Shout out to Art oh, and Wine. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and then cool. we send them. That's a great idea. It's it's been super fun. And then we send them out to all of our chat groups. I haven't been doing it with with the guy chat just because I don't think anybody would give a fuck. But um, doesn't seem like their cup, cup of wine. Yeah, like I'd be surprised. Oh, you, well, okay. I know I know exactly what I get from where, and I'll let them speak for it if I ever send it. Uh, <laughs> but we've been like, like I sent it to Aaron Dole so that he could like have his artistic eye from it, right? And but we don't tell yeah. anybody which one was done by who. So that's so fun. They get to like blind judge it, so to speak. But you're totally right. Like purpose, uh, idle hands, the devil's work. Right. So you mm-hmm. find yourself in a situation. So it's it. And but I, also, yeah. <laughs> I find that a bit of a slippery thing because I also don't love the idea that like, you know, we're in this quarantine and like you have to do something that, you know, makes yeah. a difference. You know, you have to you have to lose the weight. You have to learn a skill. You have to do this. like quit putting so much pressure on ourselves. Like, you know, this is a really strange time so like if you just want to sit and zone out and watch a show that's okay too man it is what makes you happy for some, you gotta have that balance that's why some, i use the word guilt yeah, no i get um, it yeah because it's it's you feel this pressure too it's not necessarily healthy but finding that balance is really important um there's an article about saying that we're we're grieving right now and so we need to acknowledge that to feel that you're supposed to be at your best right now is really unrealistic and, and there's a lot of mental illness happening that we might not even be aware of in ourselves to be frank about it like i was like okay i just started to find my rhythm with this podcast mm-hmm. and doing all of this and learning a new yeah. thing and then this happened and i was like well i could let this totally sink it or you adapt or die not so literally speaking but you figure yeah. out you you recalibrate and you move on so i was like well we hey, bought Sorry, what? Pivot. 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 You got to pivot. <laughs> oh, that's easily one of my favorite Friends episodes, by the way. <laughs> it never gets old. All right. Well, I I am glad. I, I hope whoever's listening, because I don't know right now, like we kind of, we fell by the wayside. So I don't know how many parents are listening to this, but the, the, I really want to continue like that. We've I've talked to the other groups of parents in our group. And I'm like, I, I think your perspective is definitely required right now because, okay, two, two different groups of people are doing jobs. Parents are now educators and like frontline people are now heroes, which they never thought they would be. They mm-hmm. go to, you go to Walmart. You're not a hero when you go to Walmart. And I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not t- you know what I'm saying, right? Like you don't wake up thinking you're going to save the day being a cashier at Walmart. They don't go together. Yeah. So yes, here we all are. Yeah, right. So you guys are pivoting, so to speak, and and I think that opinion is is really valuable. Now, when all of I, I'm I being being a parent of felines and not humans, um, <laughs> I don't have much to worry about uh, when it comes to picking and choosing what those things watch. They watch the inside of their eyelids for 14 hours a day. <laughs> What do it. you guys, what are some suggestions that you guys would want to tell other parents out there about what you're watching, YouTube, TV, Netflix, what what have you? What are some good shows for kids that would keep them either entertained or educated? Oh, my gosh. There's so many. I mean, the the streaming services and everything that's on TV these days, there there are a lot of really good options. And so I feel like, again, like I was saying, it has to be things that, aren't so annoying that we can you know like paw patrol i can't it's just like (laughs) rose never got into it and i'm really happy about it we never like really put it on for her because it was just like i hate that show and so there's other ones like um on netflix 
she watches a show called Super Y. It was on it's on CBC too, I think. So you can probably find it on Gem. What's it about? Um, it's basically like four characters. There's like a, a, they're kids, and then they turn into like the super readers, and so they help characters in stories solve like their problems through reading and letters and num- numeracy. Um, so it's really educational and fun and they get to learn the story so that was good sounds like a hybrid of reading rainbow and carmen san diego yeah kind of and (laughs) it's 3d and exciting um and then i we haven't watched this one in a while but i like the cat in the hat knows a lot about that it's also a canadian show and i think it's on cbc gem as well okay and you know it's just it's martin short it's the cat and so it makes me happy oh good lord i want to watch this yeah it's super cute it's really adorable um, and then, like um, I was saying before, the Cosmic Kids YouTube channel is a big one for us. Like, it's on definitely every day. And sure. what's what what's what's that one about? Doug Cosmic Kids. That's the uh, it's the um, uh, the yoga one. And so uh, she actually basically it's a one yoga instructor, really energetic, and she uh, she's on green screen, and so her background is always changing. So she'll do a frozen one or a Moana one. Oh wow! Or, uh, a Halloween oh, one. And. Yeah, and she's telling a story the whole way through, and she's incorporating uh, yoga moves to help tell that story. So she'll just go, okay, now, you know, and then the rocket ship goes up into the sky, reach up to the sky, and like, so, and, and Rose, you know, Rose looks at it, you know, just loves it and actually does the action as, as uncoordinated as, as she is. Um, I, another one um, we really like, um, um, it's, it's really, in, like, I like the ones that are entertaining for both the uh, adult and the, um, uh, and the kid. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of throwaways. Otherwise, the Paw Patrol. Actually, Denise, she was into it for a while. I think we just very intentionally uh, steered her away from it. But what but, about this? <laughs> but um, there's a really great one um, called Storybot, and uh, I love it. Storybot. That one's awesome. Yeah, that one is awesome. And uh, it is a. This animation is fantastic. So it's a it's a it's a mix of different styles, uh, mostly 3D. Uh, but also 2D, uh, and it's really clever. It's beautifully done, uh, and it's really, really, uh, really funny, and and has some jokes for the for the parents. All while like they are, it's fully educational. They are learning the, the question that a child asks at the start. And the story bots go to figure it out. Um, it's incredibly creative, and uh, it's actually worth a watch, even if you don't have kids. I would say. I... We should also not discredit Sesame Street. I'm just saying. No, no of course. A big one. No, I, I. You know what? I talked to this. I'll ask you guys' opinion on this because it, it it's uh, comes from both sides of it now. Um, I saw Elmo's dad uh, talking to kids about how it's good to stay home and why they're staying home, and so to speak. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. Like, yeah, they have a voice. They have a platform. Obviously, they have to be mindful about what they say. But as parents. With this whole thing, all of a sudden, your kids aren't allowed to go back to school, and then you have to talk to them about it. Do you prefer that coming from you, or are you okay with you know seeing that kind of get feathered out in the media in different avenues? And if they catch it, you're like, okay, I might have to re-explain it a little bit. But like, this is Sesame Street cool yeah. in your books, talking to your kids about stuff like that. I think so. I think <clears throat> that um, I think that any bit that will grab their attention will help. Let's be honest. Kids don't always listen to their parents. Um, Fuck off. And uh, obviously, yeah, I know, right? I know. I just dropped the truth bomb on you guys. Watch out, world. Um, but, but uh, so any extra help, you know, like, I, I mean, you still have to always be curating the message uh, and making sure that the message is coming from a good place. Sesame Street is, you know, 
about as honorable a, a, a show that exists. And yes. So, yeah. You know, anything like that to get to them from another angle. Um, you know, it's worth mentioning, um, you know, other creative ways of getting attention. I mean, Tyler Walsh in Winnipeg, if you've seen it uh, go viral now, had made, took one of the prime minister's speech to kids, kind of asking them, you know, telling them what their parents, uh, to, you know, to be safe and to listen to their parents and stuff like that. He did a, a stop animation um, uh, a Lego. Uh, oh, version. yes, he did. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it was great, and that's you know he 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 did it with his two boys, and said maybe I can make something a little more appealing uh, for kids to pay attention to, and so any little bit helps. I think there's really creative ways to to break through and grab their attention. I'm all for it for for me personally. I don't know about you, Denise. Well, I know sometimes like I just I'm really afraid of scaring them. <laughs> you know, like yeah, we're not professionals, and I mean we're pretty much trying to keep things to a minimum in terms of like we don't have the news on in the house. Most of the time, even when it's like, you know, the briefings every day, like I'll watch them with my headphones on and my computer, but we're not really having that message coming through, which I think is probably, I think everybody can agree for kids. It's like maybe a bit too heavy. Um, uh, not even having any, <laughs> I think, I, I think that, I yeah. think that whole conversation is gauged based on age and situation and exactly. then you hope for the best. And so, yeah, there's no, there's no fucking serum for that. So any tools that we have that can help us to, you know, like deliver the important message that like we're all doing our part and like, you know, yeah, it's hard not seeing our friends and, you know, it's really affected Rosie. She's in kindergarten and she's a very social kid. She loves her friends. And that part isn't really hard for her to understand. It's like, but why can't we go to school? Why can't we go on to play structures? And so having that message come in a couple different ways of like this is your this is the way that you can help is like we have to stay home and keep everybody safe so that kind of message coming from different sources has been really helpful i had like a a book that somebody had sent over pdf that was like explaining the coronavirus when it first like when quarantine first started and that was really helpful but something like yeah sesame street delivering that message or like they just did a cnn town hall too with with the sesame street characters yeah. answering kids questions it, it, it so, is they're so yeah. good at blasting a message. So, I mean, as long as, you know, it's handled carefully, because there's certain, I don't want to name foundations in Winnipeg that I have seen asking for coronavirus funds. And I'm like, oh, I don't know yeah. what you do, but I'm not a, I'm not a professional, but I don't think you have any direct involvement. So ugh, that's just me though. So yeah, yeah. Can't win them all. Oh. Yeah. No. No, yeah, I mean, again, like it's, it, you know, parents don't know what to say always, and sometimes whether we give it too much information, not enough information, we might not know the best way to actually um, communicate the action that needs to come from it. We might be too literal with them. So things like Sesame Street, they've, you know, they've got professional writers <laughs> who are crafting the message, uh, and they're saying it in a way, obviously, like <laughs> they're probably, sh I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty sure they don't have. Uh, Elmo's dad going like, "There's a virus loose! Oh my god, you will kill Grandma if you don't stay home." <laughs> you know, I so, think that's like, probably verbatim what it is. Yeah. So, I don't know. That sounded so, awfully know, close to a Trump briefing. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, but like it, you know, so it's probably vetted by child psychologists and all that. Yes, like I think they're coming up with more, arguably more creative solutions on how to really get kids to understand and at least feel better about it and to hear well, it from people that quite frankly they're glued to 
to the TVs listening to these people already. They're not glued to us for the two, most part. We're two things. To get their attention. Two things that I just kind of came up with. One, you're you're totally right. So why not let like I mean the White House can't handle their own briefings. So why don't we actually just pivot and let Sesame Street handle all briefings? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. You know what That's I mean? Elmo. Like yes. The only one allowed in the room is Fauci. Okay. And mm-hmm. it, it, unless it's played by Brad Pitt, then Brad Pitt and Fauci can be there together. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, I need to watch that tonight. Oh, you are. I don't want to ruin last night's SNL for you, Denise. But that that that, mm. that was one of the best cold opens I've I'm ever seen for so being jabbed. for so being jabbed. stuck at home, no less. Um, but okay, all right. So yeah, we can we can go down this rabbit hole forever. I want to get into some fun stuff with you guys before uh, before it's too late here. So um, I thought. <laughs> Of a really fun. Now I don't know if this is a shared view between the two of you, or if it was one of your answers or the other. But um, knowing each other now, movie tastes change over time. When you met each other, because how how long have you been together in totality? Mm, together or known each other? Known each other. Since two thousand four, we've known each other. Okay. Fifteen. Um, and I, I math. Doug, help. Yeah, don't don't do the math, hon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've known each other for 16 years, oh, uh, and uh, we've been together, I believe, for 11. Okay, uh, maybe actually 12 as of February. So then, for 11 years, a lot of different stuff has come out. You liked it when you first met. You may not like it now, or you may have not liked it then, and you love it now. Either way, um, I'm curious as to what you guys would pick, knowing each other now to go see together for a movie for the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, one of my favorites of all time um, is, and I think, you know, you might be an Adam Sandler fan in certain, certain ways or not at all. Um, but I think his, his more, his rom-coms um, are, are really good and they stand the test of time. The Wedding Singer is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's one of the cutest movies of all time. They were cool. Uh, probably. Probably they were cool. <laughs> like, yeah, but um, you know, and I think part of that has to do with obviously Drew Barrymore because I would say a close second in the rom com world is Fifty First Date. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. I love that, that movie. That, I love that movie. Yeah, and I don't get bored with that movie either. It's just a, it's a really great balance of kind of goofy comedy and some real sweet tenderness. Um, you really start to feel for the characters. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean those uh, those movies are really uh, great. Um. Um, going the distance is one that actually um, uh, I've only seen a couple of times, but it was a real surprise. Um, that's what's uh, again. Hey, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe I, I sense a pattern here. Yeah, sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> and uh, Justin Long, but it is super funny. It's got Charlie Day in it and Jason Sudeikis. Like, um, definitely a a, a a little under underground hit um, because i don't think it did that well but um no i those are kind of ones i think of i've heard it in passing but yeah no i nothing really comes to mind denise what would you pick now if you'd you know met doug you know three or four months ago and you were like we should go see a movie what would you pick oh man it's super hard so like we talked about it ahead of time we were like oh the wedding singer like we both love that movie that's something that we would totally go and see together it would be a comedy like we're both yeah like silly people for the most part and like you know, I think there's so many choices when you think of like a first date, you know, do you go for something like action or whatever? I'm like, I feel like we would always just choose a comedy. Okay. If it was like a first date, 
I don't know, like we have a favorite movie as a couple, but I don't think that I would suggest that for like, oh, we had just started dating. But I don't know. The reason... We both love the movie Away We Go. Oh, okay. With Maya Rudolph and John Kaczynski. Yes. But like, it's about a couple who are expecting a baby and they're trying to figure out where to live because Catherine O'Hara, their mom, and who's the dad, Doug? Uh, um, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. They decide to move away, like, right as the baby is being born. And it's like, what the fuck? Um, Killer cast. It's such a great cast. Anyways, but it's a little bit maybe uh, heavy for, like, a first date movie. <laughs> it's still silly and it's still fun, but it's like, you know, it's a couple who are sort of, like, figuring out their life. And it's like, oh, do we see ourselves in this? Mm. You but, know, I, I, know. I, I think... You, you want to, I think comedies are always good because both Denise and I very much care about each other's sense of humor. Yes. Uh, and it's one of the things I'm the most attracted to her about amongst uh, many other things was how funny she is. And she, she makes me laugh more than anyone I know. Um, and, uh, and, um, and so yeah. you can actually go into a comedy allows <laughs> you to kind of get someone's sensibility and see what they laugh at and what you laugh at. Uh, probably also makes you f- find out pretty quickly if they're a, 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 they have a really annoying laugh. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's a no laugher, like on well, yeah. <laughs> She doesn't laugh at anything. Or what is it? She's when, no yeah. Well, that's she's like, that's very funny. That's yeah. totally the point of the question, Doug. You nailed it because uh, that's what I wanted to know <laughs> is that when, when you want somebody uh, to get you, a great vehicle yeah. is a movie on a mm-hmm. on on the skin right like the first okay. or second level you're like okay you you like you say you laugh at the same shit um mm-hmm. okay you're a dick and can fart joke person and, too right can i take you down a small tangent yeah t- please so there was a guy that i dated and <clears throat> right when we started dating um we just he wanted to get a sense of that he was like oh yeah i wanted to like have an idea of what your your taste in movies are so like you recommend your top two movies and i'll give you my top three movies and we'll watch them. And like the turds that he gave me to watch, it was just, I mean, I can't even like, I recall one of them, but I can't re- remember the other two even. They were pretty brutal. And so it's just like, at that moment you're like, wow, I really liked you. And now I'm just like, not so sure. I, I guess I'll see what you think of my choices. Uh, but yeah, it was rough. No, you can't remember the movie. I remember that one of them was the cube. What? Where like they're stuck in no. a there's like a group of people and they're inside a cube and then every room kills you in a different way. Yeah, I have the series Denise. It's one of my favorite like fucked up C rated oh, movies. Like I would never put so any other human through that. Weird and like lasers cut him into like all these little cubes yeah, and it's like I know. what the fuck am I even watching right now? And I was like, is this supposed to make me like like you. Sub question, are you going to put me in the back of a van and take me down the river? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to expect right now. Oh, my god. I feel goodness. like the other one was like, white guys can't jump or something. Like, it was, it was so, <laughs> like, it was so, like, what the fuck? Come on, that's a Woody Harrelson classic. Right? It's polarizing. It, it totally is, but, like, how far is the cube from white men can't jump on the, on the fucking spectrum? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was so weird. Anyway, sorry. That guy was telling you one thing, Denise. He was he had multiple personality disorder. Hey, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> I like the cube, and he I also, also like white men death, can't jump. So. Um, he also told me to date Doug in the end, so there you go. <laughs> I took yeah, ill advised. I took a date to go. Do you guys know the movie Closer? Mm, uh, Julie Roberts, Jude Law, Natalie yeah. Portman. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you know. So yeah. it's and Clive Owen. Um, in short, it is the it is a story of four people who are all involved with each other in a relationship. Some like couples. I mean, um, and uh, it's about infidelity. It's about lack of trust in relationships. It's about cheating. It's about coming back from cheating. It's about mm. the line. It's it is a heart heart wrenching film to watch, to say the least. And I took a first date to see that movie. <laughs> like, uh, like put the moves on her. Well, like that, that's just what you get for doing. Like, I was just like, Oh, it's gotta be a romantic comedy or at least a romantic film at bare minimum. Right. With that kind of cast. Fuck. It's got runaway bride in it. Right. So, yeah. So anyways, we get there and like halfway through the movie, like there's this one scene where Clive Owen is literally asking Julia Roberts what it felt like to have sex with another man. And I'm like, I, I, it's, just, it's it's like watching a, a sex scene with your parents for the first time. Yep. You just want to. It's too real. It's just too real. And obviously you don't you, like, what do you do at the end of the date? You go for gelato and be like, so um, do you cheat? Like, what do you what are you talking about after Is this movie? something like I need to be concerned about? Right? Like, you guys... I think that's why... Yeah, like, that's why comedy is really great, because then you can have that shared experience to talk about after. Or... Yes. Or if it's, if it's a stinker, you can also do that. Uh, I find, like, you know, some people like horror movies, because then, like, they'll, you know, they'll jump in the other person's arm, and I'm like, I don't... I don't, I don't want to be on edge on a date. I'm already on edge on a first date. Um, and yeah, action it's no movies fun when you're fun the one too. No fucking yeah, crying into the girl's arm. No. <laughs> like, we, I went to see, I remember seeing The Fifth Element on a date um, and not knowing what The Fifth Element really was and how entertaining that ended up being. And I remember we just talked about the movie for the rest of the night. I think we were having a drink or something like that after. Um, and, you know, that was equally as enter, like action packed as it was hilarious. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're just, you know, those are really good movies to, uh, to break the ice. I couldn't agree more. Multipass. <laughs> All right. So, um, like I said, the whole point of this was everybody's got something that they're watching that they really like. Either you're watching it as a couple, which we got some answers from right. you guys, and then there's stuff that you watch independently from each other. So, um, we'll start with Doug. What's something that you've sunk your teeth into that you think is really great? Give us a why you like it, why you don't like it, and what you would change about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, handful of things there's everything from like the the ones that um you really want to learn and grow from and uh you know as a as a producer of films or you know at least commercial video um you, you're always looking for inspiration you're always looking to see what other people are doing uh sometimes it allows you to be too critical it's like you know it's just the same as being a musician um and sometimes it's t tough to sit back and enjoy that um you know, I, I like, I'm trying to get in more into the documentaries. I, I really do like true crime quite a bit, um, especially because uh, we do a lot of um, videos where we have to, you know, figure out cl clever ways to reenact things that have happened when we're doing our mini docs. And, um, and so Don't Fuck With Cats, I found <laughs> really engaging and, uh, and went through it. I think we, we watched it in a night, like all three episodes. Uh, I thought it was really well done especially to talk about internet sleuthing and to show what you know three hours worth of content on that um i i thought that was really well done you know i don't even know if i want to talk about tiger king because everyone's talking about tiger king so i mean uh, but again like you know just 
the characters in it, the conflict in it, the uh, I think the timing of it is perfect when everyone needs to feel like their life isn't crazy. Let's want the social downward comparison. Um, it's crazy. And- it's it's crazy that a woman gets her arm ripped off in the first episode, and that's the least crazy thing that happens in this entire. Yeah, that was still yeah. in uh, that was still in uh, like Act One. <laughs> yeah, and so then there's the other side too, where you just kind of want the stuff, you know, just like in life right now, right? We're trying to grow, but we also need to relax and just like you know, watch uh, have some candy, right, or or uh, escape a little bit. Totally. So I like, you know, I got into Suits for a bit, I watched a few seasons, um, and then just now uh, the seventh season of Brooklyn Nine Nine is out, um, and so those are easy ones to kind of dive into. Um, and then, you know, like in terms of uh, I, I actually trying to uh, watch some uh, movies that, you know, like there's just so many movies that are, you know, known as classics. Um, and the, the, the movies that anyone else goes to is like, what? You haven't seen that? And there's just got to be a bunch. I, I know there's a bunch that I haven't seen. And you feel like if you're a, you're a film fan that you should see these things. And so um, I'm trying to do that balance with all the new stuff that's out there. But sometimes my challenge is always like I, I, I tend to lean more towards the ones that are just kind of like like throwaways like a sean hobbs like you know where i'm just like i just i want something stupid to not think about anything rather than something that makes me think the funny thing is that when i do the finally do the ones that make me think or that are really real or really hard um i feel so much more value out of yeah. having seen that <laughs> yeah. um where it, you, you feel kind of emotionless when you, you watch a throwaway action flick um so we you know we uh, once upon a time in hollywood uh was really interesting i need to watch it again I don't know if it's as great as everyone says it was. Um, okay, I'm going to stop uh, you. I'm going to stop you there for a second because uh, I did yeah. want to. I haven't been able to talk about this film with anybody, and I, I think it's his best personally. Mm. Mm. That's why I need to watch it again because I'm a huge Tarantino fan, uh, and I, you know, there's been a couple that I've seen the first time, and I'm like, I don't, I, I'm not getting it all because you're watching it as a storyline. Yes, and then you kind of, and in his way of doing storylines. Um, you know, which is obviously banging time quite a bit. And, uh, and then you go, okay, I got it all there now time to review. And like, so I need to watch it again because I know a lot of people say that and I come around on movies often. There's also like, you know, kind of watching it from an entertainment level. Now I want to watch it from a story level. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I was, I was trying to prepare for like way more gruesome parts to happen. So maybe I was kind of not letting myself relax and waiting for the, you know, something bad to happen. I was and, waiting um, for the beat to drop. Yeah. Like, okay, when's it coming? Yeah. When's it? And then it's like, when shit. And it was, it was one of his less violent ones, right? Especially after seeing Hateful Eight or, or uh, uh, obviously like the Kill Bills and stuff. Um, and then, sorry, on the flip side though, I also watched Dune, <laughs> um, which is- Well, you got to, you got to get ready for the new one, right? Like, a, yeah, well, I'm a sci-fi fan. And, uh, and, you know, and then actually when I turned it on, I didn't even realize David Lynch had uh, directed it. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I, I kind of jokingly am not a huge David Lynch fan because I sometimes think he's being weird for the sake of being weird. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I, I loved Mulholland Drive up until the very end and the last, like, 15 minutes. I'm like, what is happening? This is such a great story. Um, but uh, I might be uh, just, you know, sometimes I have a tough time uh, understanding metaphor. Dune uh, was cool it was definitely for its time 1984 i think very ahead uh, of its the time effects, yeah the effects was crazy i felt though like i couldn't get it in the first 20 minutes uh and actually then i usually after i watch a movie i kind of i like to read reviews on them um not so much to form my decision but uh, there's a lot of really good movie critics who 
um, will write, uh, try to kind of say things that I'm trying to think. And I think a lot of people agreed that you took that large of a book and try to condense it into uh, an hour and a half. Like it's only 90 minutes, I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe it's close to two hours, but, um, you know, and you're using completely foreign um names and a total culture you're actually introducing multiple cultures and like where you know even in star wars where you know you're using like words like x-wing and death star and all that kind of stuff you can understand that really quickly yeah, his like, jargon is, is not is not easily understood. the jargon from the book is just it's insane like i'm like who's who what are they like i you know you needed to take notes it's, or you need to do it um the book. he did what he did what kubrick did well not what kubrick did but kubrick kept the entire lingo from Clockwork Orange in the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah. finding out what murder show meant and and their lingo, which I read the book after I saw the movie for the first time, and Great. you don't understand the words at all, but as they're repeated in their context and you get more and more as it goes along in the book, you start to pick up going, oh, murder show equals good time. Okay, right. I get this yeah. now. Yeah. But with Dune, yeah, they were just like, I guess they thought that they were going after a hard sci-fi that had a big fan base and they would just pull all the, like that would be the only people who would show up. But like, you know, you're David Lynch. Like you have a name for yourself at this point. And yeah. well, well, actually yeah. no, not really. Not the first, yeah. He was also not the first director. There was many other directors. And there's actually, I don't know if you're aware that there's one, like a 10 hour one done with like a Pink Floyd soundtrack. Pink Floyd wrote a, um, uh, the entire score, where this one, the score for uh, for the one that's more popular, of course, is done by uh, none other than Toto. <laughs> um, which I thought <laughs> Toto does all the music. Um, but um, <laughs> excuse um, me. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that was at the time. Again, it was '84, right? Star Wars was just killing it. Star Trek was they'd done three movies by that point, uh, and so they were really, you know, producers just throwing tons of money at it and. Uh, I think that uh, for for the challenges it had, I think it was pretty pretty well done, very beautiful. Uh, the sets, uh, especially, and, and some of the uh, the costumes were were really cool. I don't know. The costuming the is fantastic. Were, is yeah, and like the whole principle the nose thing and the yeah spice and it, and, and it, it gave me it made me it makes me excited for the new one because now I have a bit of a primer yeah. of like okay, this is what I can expect. So let's see what the next version will be yeah, exactly no definitely and dennis villeneuve behind i mean the man oh, yeah, gosh. yeah. cinematographer and director at the same time like he's yeah i th- and that's like i didn't really know blade runner that well i i'll admit like no me neither and so i i went with 2049 first because i have a yeah. frame of reference for this man's work and then i was like oh great and then i even i loved blade runner the original even more so i I, I've already seen Dune, so I, I can't do that with this one. But I know you. Yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, I think that uh, I think it's in good hands. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of reboots and remakes uh, are not nearly as good. But the ones that are like the cult classic ones that are being cared for uh, very, very seriously because they just know that <laughs> the retribution of a badly made video. Uh, uh, you know, look what's happening to Star Wars right now, and I don't even really mind those movies, but the world is. The, the, the community is just flipping out about it. Um, I think uh, things like Blade Runner and Mad Max have done very well for themselves in their comeback. And uh, those are two beautiful movies that I am a huge fan of. And I've seen both of the new ones multiple times. Um, and I'm hoping the same will happen with Dune because there's a lot to work with. There's a lot of creativity uh, pulled from it. To, to just end with your little, like your little inject there of Star Wars, I, 
I've heard a lot of different <laughs> people say a lot of different things, and I think the guy who says it best the most, or the the best once that I've heard yeah. of, is Ridley Scott said you don't give a $250 million budget to a guy like Ryan Johnson because <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't work in $250 million increments. He works in 40. He works in independent film. He works, he's brothers bloom. He's brick, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's these weird, not film noir, but definitely kooky unit. He's knives out, right? Yeah, Cause knives out was good. Knives, knives out, out is, it, and it's not staying your lane because to somebody who's a creative, you can't say that, right? It's not, it would be like Doug. You can only do commercial video. You can't. You can't say that to a person who who has a creative imagination because they're going to be like, "Fuck you! I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to yeah. turn it on but its it's, head." It's funny. It's funny you say that because Marvel has figured out somehow the secret sauce of getting like you know everyone from Taika Taiki Watiti. Uh, I was I was destroy his name um, and uh, or you know the the Russo brothers who I think both don't come. Well, I know Taiki. Taiki? Taiki? Taika Watiti. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Listen to your wife. Yeah, Taika. <laughs> like, he comes from comedy, right? And he just, you know, he uh, he made one of the best action movies of the decade. Oh, easily. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, then, um, uh, and then, you know, the Russo brothers again, like, you know, I think, I believe Winter Soldier was really their first uh, action flick. Um, and, uh, and so, and, and, and there's a few other that I can't think of off the top of my head who have been brought into uh, very ambitious uh, from from small film to very ambitious, huge budgets, and it does work. But yeah, it hasn't worked for Rian Johnson as well. At the same point, like, and also the the uh, the comparisons to um, all the kind of plot points of the final film uh, uh, feel very end game ish. <laughs> like they oh. just said, well, that works. Yeah, let's do this. Let's let's have this massive uh, fight at the end, and then everyone comes in to save the day at the last minute. Although that's kind of a trope in general like that's been you know it's not like endgame was the first one to do it but no boy, it, it fan, is, fanboy yeah. and me went crazy for that i uh i'm gonna switch gears here for a second and yeah, <laughs> uh because there was something that was mentioned and i i am up to date on it and now i'm gonna ask denise about it and see where she's at mm -hmm. so that i can i can tease her all about it um you picked westworld i know now where know. are you in westworld I haven't started this season. Okay, so you are you are two seasons down. I'm two seasons down. Doug, but... are you caught up to Denise, or are you a season behind? No, I fell off on season one. Okay, um, I thought it was, it was wildly creative. I can't. I'm not sure why. I think it was just it was so I'll, it was I'll so tell you dark. Exactly why? Why? I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. Because it was past your bedtime, and I wouldn't wait for you, and then you would never <laughs> catch up. With me. <laughs> yep. Yep. I would stay up. Until like eleven or twelve, watching yep. it, and then you'd be like, "How was Westworld?" I'm like, "It was great," and you're like, "Okay, well, <laughs> you never watched." And I never got to. Well, it just again, it was, I I I was a big fan of it. Uh, it keeping up with the the characters and the timelines uh, got a little challenging. Oh, it's a workout. Um, and I think, yeah, and just overall, it was a it's a pretty depressing show. Um, and uh, and, and so it's not that I, I didn't enjoy it, but it's just weird the ones that you fall off of. We fall off, we fell off of Mindhunter, we fell off of uh, what's the one with uh, Jonah, uh, and uh, uh Maniac, Maniac, Maniac. Uh, Jonah Hill, and yeah, and uh, Emma Stone. Oh, that like, limited series they did, yeah, 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 for Netflix, yeah, yeah. and there's nothing Net wrong with them, and actually, they're quite good, but sometimes it's just where you know, I also, you know, yeah, I, I I'm 
often try not to watch too much TV because I always feel like any lost moment is something I should be focusing on my business, which is a whole other uh, egg to crack another day. But <laughs> remember, remember how Petro said you couldn't cut me off. <laughs> so I stopped. Watching. I didn't want to start did the anyway. of Westworld. I didn't want to start this season because it. When was the first episode? What, do you remember what day it was? Uh, March. March. I want to say like the sixteenth. I want to say like the. It's yeah. six. It's six it weeks old right, now. As of tonight, it'll be seven. It was right at the beginning of this. isolation. Yeah. Okay. And it was like I can't. It was <laughs> too heavy, and like it, it was just too much of a downer. Honestly, in my days, where like my head was so full of just like maybe negative, that it was like I don't think I can handle it right now. So yeah. I'm gonna get to it. I okay. really love the show. It's beautifully acted. I love the story. I like where it's going. I'm like very curious about what this season is gonna be like. But it was just like, this is not my moment for this. I watch a lot of RuPaul because it's just like, <laughs> no, I get it. It's no, I totally easy I, and it's nothing. So yeah, it was too much. I, I to to count point counterpoint with that. Like I watch so much BBC World. I love David Attenborough. Oh, I I don't I have a grandpa too. right now, and I've nominated him as mine. And yeah, just him talking about puffins is the most like fuck ASMR, fuck two hundred dollar now mental health professionals. Like just listen to David Attenborough at ninety and him talk about how he used to take a steamship to the Galapagos to get black yeah. and white film of a Komodo dragon, and you'll forget you have anything going on in your life, good or bad. I love that you say that because that was like before we had kids and we lived, you know, in the village and we would have like lazy Sundays where you could just like fall in and out of naps all day. Like, oh my gosh, it's been so long. But that was like my jam was putting on planet earth and just letting David Attenborough, like I would fall in and out of sleep and I'd be like, oh, look, we're under the ocean now. And then, you know, you kind of like get back into a nap and then, yeah, it's just, I mean, something about him. He's, what a talented individual. He, well, he like I don't. There is a series called David at David at ninety, and uh, Ooh, I have that? it. Um, I will I will find a way to it's mine. F- show you where to find it too. Um, but Ooh. it's his life and how he came to BBC and just wanted a job, and then they gave him a job, and then he proved that he should have a reality TV show about nature and created the department that which now has created his living in his life. He's he is a self-made man like you've never seen. And he he's he has just got a passion for it. Like he really doesn't come from a background that you would think one would come from who knows this much about right. the planet. It's his love of it and investigating it on his own that 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 brought him what he's got to this very his minute. curiosity yeah and i love a good bio oh I would love it's to get that it's an really. it's an interview series it's just like four or five hours of the same person talking to him and being like so you did this so you did that and then like going over certain clips that he's been involved with different animals that have had an effect on him like it's it's fantastic um, right my alley. But just back to Westworld, so that you can have something to look forward to. Um, as the as as I've listened to certain podcasts and they talk about first principles and what that what I think that means is is if someone can tweet at me and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the bare bones of an, of an idea, the first principle of it. So mm. Westworld has returned to first principles like season one. Ooh, ooh. So. You are like in season two, you knew that you were flowing through 
three different timelines at a certain point. It was confirmed. It wasn't like they weren't they weren't hiding it anymore. Right. This one trying to put a finger on who's who and when they're who and if they're really who they are on the inside is who right. they are on the outside is right. now part of and Aaron Paul is fantastic. He's it's it's him and Dolores. I didn't know he was in this season. Oh yeah, Aaron Aaron Paul is in it. Um oh, another famous. Ooh. He's just, do you remember um oh, do you remember Braveheart? And in Braveheart, yes. he had the one guy who had the two slits across his cheeks. He's Scottish. Oh yeah. He's in yeah, this. Yeah, and he's in um Sons of Anarchy. He's Sons also of Anarchy. in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name for the life of me. I'll, I'll go up after, but um, he's in it. It's it's they're they're messing with your mind again, as opposed to just messing with what's happening when it's it's and it's it's very meta because they've what's introduced happening who and when. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I can't yet. I'm I'm very excited. Just and, and I get how you it's be, and there's there's a lot of focus on data mining. Uh, Mm-hmm. data control feedback loops uh thought bubbles like all of the things that social media and technology are kind of fighting through the weeds right now it's very prevalent in the in the backstory of the show i'm sure they never expected it to be so <laughs> relevant no no they didn't and yeah. and i don't i don't want to ruin it for you so i will there is a cameo like no other and it is oh it is it is hbo knowing its value and knowing how to write a joke. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it breaks fourth wall. And as soon as you see it, you'll be like, is that who I, yep, that's exactly who I think it is. Exactly um, what's happening. <laughs> Amazing. So. Tommy uh, Flanagan, by the way. Thank you very much. I don't have yeah. a, I don't have a, see, I'm no Rogan yet. I'll so I don't have future. a, yeah, I don't have somebody sitting on the side. I don't have a Jamie, you know, looking shit up for me. <laughs> producer now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good point, Denise, about um, you know not being in the the mindset for it. We uh, I got very excited to see the second season of Happy, um, and we got I think two, and I'm just like ah, too much right now. It's just so intense. Uh, it's so it's such a cool uh, concept, and I love how it's shot uh, the, the wide angle feel to it. And uh, now I'm forgetting the lead actor's name, but oh, he's, he's from so Law and Order. What the hell's his name? Yeah, he's so good in it. Um, but anyways. Yeah, there's just some kind of really intense ones that it's just tough to relax to right now. You know what? I get that. Like, I I'm a huge fan of Homeland, and uh, mm-hmm. or you know, like any any media that doesn't have a good, like if it's not flowing with my vibe at the moment, I've noticed that in my as you get older and your priorities change and you start to learn about different shit, you're like, I really don't want to watch this right now. Like, this is not good for yeah. my my psyche so That's i'm my gonna, well-being yeah exactly and it's okay to think that where before it'd be like fuck that didn't bother me and it's like well, we need to talk to kevin if that doesn't bother you uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so i want to uh i want to close this out with you guys uh with uh because this is all about comfort right movies are movies are to make you feel a little bit better to take you away to elate you to do a lot of different things i know we can get super meta on this but the whole point of uh, this little portion of the show is for you guys to share your comfort movies. So, Denise, we'll go first with you. What's a movie that you throw on that'll stop you in your tracks, make you forget your woes, make like kind of like I guess the best way to describe it would be the movie smells like grandma's cookies. Oh my gosh! Well, you know what? I wrote down I wrote down something, but I will actually say a different answer. So. <sighs> 
if you're saying it in that context. Twist. Um, <laughs> um, my favorite movie ever is Amelie. And Amelie. It's yeah. movie and lots of people know about it. But yes. it's just like, if it's on, she's just, you know, she's a do-gooder. And it's just like, it kind of just makes you feel good to watch it. It's a beautifully shot movie. It's beautiful cinematography, great direction, great acting. So if if that's on, which it's not often on. <laughs> oh, you um, mean a foreign language film on all the time in your yeah. house? <laughs> yeah. Not on PBS. Um, <laughs> that is one that I would stop to watch. And then other than that, um, the most comforting, and like I've had it on a lot during this isolation period, is it's so dumb. It's not a movie. It's the behind the scenes of... The Lord of the Rings. It's not. I don't care. We're letting we're letting all media play on the show right now. I told everybody it's so this. Dumb. But like, if I ever had a sick day from work, or like, yeah. if I had, it's not often that I'm alone in my house ever. But if I was home alone or like an evening to myself, I'd pop that on because I love hearing the background of you know how Tolkien created these these cultures and these languages and seeing the the production that went into making these movies and costume design and the people who are teaching the actors the languages and you know it's just I find it entirely fascinating and it's like you know 20 good hours worth of content so I totally I've I've watched it more than four times I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more like learning learning how one of your favorite things is done so that you're in on it is just as good as watching it when you're taken away by it like when I don't know if you guys have seen it's 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 traveling around right now, and I, I'm sure one of you have, considering both of your professions are in um, in making <laughs> making content. Um, how Industrial Light and Magic and Disney got together for The Mandalorian? Have you guys seen that at all? No, not yet. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, yes. so you're um, talking about the, uh, the 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 motion tracking camera with the background. The motion tracking with the camera background that renders live video, so it can change yeah. on the fly. Yeah. So yeah, okay. so they create their own backdrops, and then they can use that lighting uh, from you know, uh, and they don't have to put it in CG after. Yeah, it's amazing. It's okay. so basically, if you're green screen, right? If you're think of Endgame, and then think of taking out the green screen and inserting Thanos's ship. Now, it just makes yeah. the actor feel that they're there that much more instead of having to pull yeah. from. So it, and you can change it on the fly because it's it's video game technology married with film production. That's so cool. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And you know, anyone listening to this and, and Denise, I'll, I'll show it to you after, but like the, the real brilliance of it is that when the camera moves, of course your perspective has to move because it can't be a flat image. So the video uh, knows where the camera is. And so the, the, the screen behind will change mm. the perspective Brilliant. so that it looks, looks real. It's yeah. insane. It's an unbelievable. Now, watching that, you get to go along for the ride, right? Where it's like it's mm-hmm. like seeing the magician's trick after mm-hmm. you yeah. got after you were entertained by it, and then and then it's okay to know it because then you're like, okay, I know how they do that, or like it's it's just the magic of it, right? And being people who who edit and produce and film and and do all this stuff, like I know you guys understand that than most of anybody I I am friends with so which is why this well and it's to see it's to see where where they rely on technology and where they go back to like the tried and true practical yeah. you know like to see how they did maybe like a trick of the eye camera thing or in Mad Max like building all of these actual cars you know like it's 
unbelievable. And that's one of the big reasons that, you know, streaming is great. We love our streaming services, but like we'll still buy Blu-rays and things because we don't get the extra features. And I want to see that shit. I don't like, know why Netflix and Prime yeah. don't buy it when they buy the rights. Yeah. It bothers Disney, me so Disney much. Plus is doing yeah. it. Disney Plus has been doing it. So, like, you can go yeah. to the extras on Disney Plus, and they'll have deleted scenes. They'll have, you know, some of the, like, specials that they've done about different yeah. movies. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we still buy a lot of physical copies of things just because we, as a, as a partnership marriage, what are we? Um, <laughs> we really like that. No, yeah, it, I so. get it too. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, uh, I, I can't look if, if I can, if it's there. Like when I bought my Endgame copy, you got like an hour long uh, setup oh, yeah. on how one. they did everything, and I was just enamored by that. Uh, Tales from the Loop that's streaming on Prime right now that was filmed here. Um, mm-hmm. They have a little vignette with Jodie Foster and Mark Romanuk and Matt Reeves and the whole production crew and everybody like the. Talking about making something in Winnipeg, which was really cool because every time you see one of those, it's never your hometown. Right. So that's when I really need to get on Doug. Put that on our list. Okay. Yeah, you, it'll 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 scoop your mind out like it's ice cream and put it back like it's a hot dog. That whole show oh, fun. is is <laughs> it falls in the same realm as Westworld, and and it'll yeah it'll manipulate time and everything around you. Um. Cool. Doug, Love I want to get yours because it is one of my personal favorites. Um, please tell Aww, everybody what your comfort you. movie is. Well, I guess I can't change it now. No, um, <laughs> it's funny actually when you said "smells like grandma's cookies," it just made me think of The Matrix, which is uh, which is obviously uh, uh, easy to go to at any time. Um, but yeah, mine is, um, and this is one where often it is you know more when I used to watch more TV. Of course, for kind of unplugging ourselves but oceans 11 anytime it's on uh i'm watching it and uh it, it, to a point to the chagrin of denise like she would come home and just be on she's like really again I'm like I it mean, was on i uh, love it too but it was like really do we love it this much yeah. like every time well, it's and, on and there's something that's really funny um uh, and i don't know what the psychological term would be for it but there's something about i call it a sound like the the concept of a found movie. So you turn on a t- TV and you you you, you go uh, uh, to a channel and there it is. The movie's on. You're like, oh my god, it's on. What are the chances? This is great. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> it might have commercials. It might be censored, but I'm watching it. And you have the DVD, like you know, all, there. You can watch it at any time. This is the same with Die Hard. Anytime it's on, and uh, and 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 you just, but you're more excited because you somehow landed on it rather than you had control and you could just put it in at any time so anyway oceans 11 is i think one of the slickest movies uh it's it's uh the cast is perfect of course we're talking about the newer one and um and i mean my the 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 scene with uh obviously at the bellagio at the end uh when uh debussy's claire de lune is playing and they just look at each other and walk away i just I don't know. It's it's classic movie making, um, and uh, and it just you know Soderbergh is just so good at what he does, uh, and that is easily, easily. And then of course, of course, then right now more like I think that anytime I I had a you know when I had a really bad day, I think like first week of COVID, just I was like I just need something. My go to is Endgame. That is my pleasure button. Is I just well, I've probably watched Endgame about I don't know ten or fifteen times, and uh, and actually sometimes even when I really need it, I just fast forward to the part where they all come back, <laughs> and I'm just like I just need to, I need to see the, dude, I just need a win, dude, no, I just no. need a win right now. I totally get it. Yeah. I'll go to the Eminem rap battle at the end of Eight Mile for a, for a good yes. pump up. 
Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, you know, as a as a uh, you know kid who grew up collecting comics, Marvel comics for the most part, uh, and I did collect the Infinity War. Um, you know, all this stuff, uh, the lead up, obviously, of twenty two movies uh, to this, just the fanboyness or the the fan. Uh, sorry, not the fanboyness, but just the uh, fan. No, yeah, but what is it? Fan service, basically. That it was uh, just it was it was such a it was such a great uh, payoff. Yeah, so those are those are some some classic for me for sure. I uh, I agree with you on on both. Endgame has uh, I, I think it's a perfect movie in in mm-hmm. so many ways. Like stepping aside from being a fanboy like you, like total like my Marvel cards, my Marvel comics, my Marvel posters, mm-hmm. like like I it got just all the cards, yeah. it just really there there there's there's a mystic quality to a good old fashioned bad guy versus good guy battle with laser beams and flying powers like it's 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 just another world i think right and then you kind of right. really you, you get really it's like you, there's so many different ones that that speak to you that it's just a plethora right like i still like one of my favorite video games is ultimate alliance where you just get to sit and play as marvel characters and and fight marvel battles like it's the most useless game it's <laughs> but but it 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 pulls you in and i and i and i get it um but i I don't I think I think the beauty of Ocean's 11 is that there's so much subtext that really isn't there on the on on its face. It's it's a caper. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a crime comedy like you can genre the shit yeah. out of it. You can really put it into its box, but underneath it's the underdog story, right? It's Yeah. Um it's the And it's beautifully acted. It's beautifully acted. There the the quips in it, like the writing, the yeah. the back and forthness, the quickness. The look- the look of it is Brad, like it there's it, it 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 checks all the boxes it sings all the notes whatever yeah. cliche saying you want to use but it really is more than just 11 guys robbing a casino yeah and even yeah. the follow-up you should have to... taken your first date to that one <laughs> would have been better well and like that's like and everybody wants to be that clever Right. That's like every everybody wants to be like, I could pull off that heist. Right. You know, you, you do that at the end of a movie uh, where you're like, I could totally survive. Saw I could totally do the Bellagio. Right. <laughs> well, and I, you're probably familiar with the concept of narrative transportation. It's why we you know why we watch movies and why we care for characters who don't actually exist in real life. And uh, and in that movie, you feel cool, even though you're a dude sitting in your, you know, on your shorts, uh, yeah. in your shorts, uh, eating chips. Yeah. You feel like. You know, the same way when I used to walk out of Ninja Turtle movies as a kid, and I felt like I was like I could I could kick the foot back. Yeah, like, you know, it's just that you just connect, right? And people like you know the way that George Clooney just you know the dudes like Butter, Brad Pitt, um, is just you know cool, and then all the other characters who are a perfect balance of being separate and almost caricature forms of themselves, um, but are realistic and you care for them. Um, it's just the balance was was great. Oh, totally the the brothers, uh, Scott Con, the brothers, yeah, and Casey, uh, Affleck. Casey Affleck, like, and like you, all of their shit with each other, you're walking in on, right? Like, you can tell that yeah. they've been doing these jobs for so long that they're fed up with each other, and and just the 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 my favorite scene is that back and forth in in twelve in Ocean's Twelve when they're in the hotel, and Zeta Jones shows up and they slam the door. And all the guys start giving Rusty shit about how he's involved with her. 
and, yeah. they, and and all it is is like so she's and he's like yep and then it's like and she's the daughter of and he's like yes and it's it, you don't even need a full line it's just that perfect fucking quip with each other that yeah. way. Uh, and, and then thus yeah. by proxy you're like i feel cool because i get what's going on in that in that <laughs> scene um yeah, you're part of the gang yeah totally and who doesn't like being part of a gang right community that's what it's all about <laughs> all right so yeah. Let's close this thing with a bang here. Um, I'm going to give you guys the choice this time instead of picking for you. We have a significant situational would you rather that you can play. Both of you get to pick your answer. It doesn't have to be a shared answer. Or we can do some head-to-head movie trivia. It's up to you. Oh, boy. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know, Denise. We're pretty competitive with each other. Do you promise you're in a different room than me? Do you promise not to use your computer? <laughs> okay, this is going well. So what I, oh, Jesus, um, I would say trivia. Doug, but I also don't want him using his computer because he's in a different room. So honor. <laughs> I'm closing my computer right now. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> like right. You can give me like. Uh, my answer is clackety clackety clack clack. I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna use executive producer privilege and just go trivia anyway, Denise. So he didn't really stand a chance. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. So I ended up uh, I was at one day and I found this game and I thought this would be fun to play on the show. We hadn't really figured out how to do it, so this this would be the perfect time. Um, it's called Blockbuster. So it's mm. got a bunch of different crazy fucking questions. Um, and the way you start the game off is you do a little bit of a head-to-head. So I've used this game as an inspiration to come up with some of my own questions. So I'll give you guys the list, and then you get to pick the one you're going to play each other against to see who maybe knows more in regards to this topic. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. so Let's just play one and see how it goes. All right. So, well, I'll give you an example, right? So okay. um, movie starring a famous comedian. In 30 seconds you have to come up with the most. I'll count them, and then after 30 seconds, Doug will do the same one in 30 seconds, and whoever has the most movies starring a comedian at the end of 30 seconds wins. Can you repeat answers? No. Nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not a quick thinker. We'll see how this goes. Well, here's, right. here's I, and I made it easy because I just didn't pick one that you might not know. I'm going gonna, gonna to give you a list of ones that you guys would feel most comfortable with, okay? All right. Okay. So, movies with a baby, movies by Steven Spielberg, movies beginning with S, movies set in the future, or movies starring a famous comedian. I like comedian, Doug. We can't hear you. You can't hear me? I can hear you. Oh, there you are. There you are. <laughs> There's a delay. I can hear him upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, now I just have to think of all the movie titles in the yeah all right movie starring famous comedian sure all right so denise you can go first here i'll keep track on it i'll let you know as soon as we're done and i'll start going 10 seconds out as we get closer okay (laughs) take a second (laughs) do you you guys want to go back to the would you rather now (laughs) (laughs) maybe all right could be really bad hang on here in five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay, cheaper by the dozen. Um, Thirty rotten scoundrels. Um, Doctor Doolittle, Nutty Professor. 
Madagascar. <laughs> uh, Roxanne. Five, four, three, two, one. That was eight. Oh, that's way harder. That was eight. (laughs) I know. I went down to Steve Martin vein for a second. You did. I was like, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Rupert. That was a great movie. Broxanne was a great movie. I just remember, Rupert, go play with your pots and pans. (laughs) I have to go to the bathroom. Thank you. All right, Doug, you ready? May I go to the bathroom, please? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he had to outdo me on the quote. <laughs> it's because he's uh, sitting in front of his computer. <laughs> no, I am not in front of the computer. All right. Okay. 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 Uh, in five, four, three, two, one. Go. Talladega Nights. Yes, man. Uh, Bruce Almighty. Um, Step Brothers. Um, oh, great. See, here I go. Uh, Back <laughs> to the Future. Um, uh, hey, oh, geez. Yeah, see, this is hilarious. Oh, um, yeah, we're still at five. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ten, um, nine, eight, uh, seven, <laughs> six. I can't do it under pressure five, so hard. Four. Oh, we're still going. Three, oh, yeah. I, two, I, I, I bow down. It's one. Oh. <laughs> I thought I had them all, and then my mind just went blank. You really <laughs> went down to Gary Will Ferrell there. I did, and then <laughs> I thought I had Gary them all, Ferrell. and then, yeah. <laughs> are either of you sitting in the rooms where all your movie collections are? <laughs> no. Thinking of going over to our, what did we have left for DVDs? But... <laughs> all our DVDs are up at the cottage now. All right, that was eight to six. That was pretty close, though, for not having any prep time whatsoever to do that. That's pretty impressive. So sorry, sorry, who won? Uh, you did, Denise. Excellent. <laughs> hey, you won the inaugural version of it, right? So, like, whatever happens from here on out, you get to say that you played first. That's true. Which Thank I'm you. sure you'll put on your resume or tell everybody after you're done this. <laughs> it's going right at the top. Um, I have, that was it. I got nothing else for you guys. That's, 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 Yay! that's it. <laughs> this was so fun, Petro. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you guys had fun. That's like, everybody's at home. So we might as well have some, some fun talking about movies on a, on a podcast for, for until Yay! we're allowed back out and we can mingle amongst the world and hang out again. Till we can high five or hug or air gun or whatever yeah no shit i think i think each other yeah i'm gonna do like the the foot tap i think that's gonna be my new salutation not the foot tap yeah Yeah, right isn't the foot tap uh something you do in airports to uh solicit to other men if it is i'm not gonna be doing the foot tap (laughs) 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 i love how you didn't have to finish that sentence solicit to just solicit to other men Great way to end this, isn't it? It is. Way to go, Doug. Way to to create a PSA at a no moment for a PSA. (laughs) Why do you know that? This is turning back into marriage counseling again. You guys can have that conversation off the show. I'm fine. I'm fine not recording that one. (laughs) And we'll leave it there. Uh, Anyways, so... um, Doug, do you, I, I, every, you're one of my many friends who's got a small business and I would love it if you took five minutes and told everybody who's listening about what you do so that when all of this madness stops, they know where to go to get their next piece completed and by who. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I own a company called Tripwire Media Group, and we're a video production company um, that specializes in um, really in, in, in commercial or uh, corporate video. Um, everything from, uh, you know, mini kind of docs about uh, organizations and the people who work there to explainer animations and, and, uh, and training videos, kind of everything in between. Really, basically, the focus is, I call it strategic storytelling. So how are you engaging people uh, with story rather than with information? Um, and how are you crafting something that's engaging that people will actually watch and care about? And then, you know, making sure that you're making the right thing in the first place, you know, your audience, you know, your goal, and you have a strategy to it. There's so many people making content out there right now uh, that, um, and a lot of people aren't really thinking truly of how it's supposed to work uh, or how it's supposed to engage. And people just kind of shout from a rooftop about everything. So it's been really cool. Um, uh, 10 years now that we've done it, we, uh, and, uh, you know, we're fighting through, this situation, we've had to lay off some people, unfortunately, but um, we're still doing quite a bit of work and keeping busy and trying to get those people back. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a it's a neat little company. You can always go to tripwiremedia.com to see some of our work. And uh, uh, I'm also a, a, a real nerd about this stuff, so I'm always happy to talk shop um, for anyone who's curious. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. I was just going to finish. I'm like, what he doesn't say is that he's a huge nerd, and that's why it makes him the best at what he does. But you just you. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. Um, thank yeah. you so much for doing our third COVID watch. Um, I hope to do as little of these as possible. And we COVID can... watch. Yeah. <laughs> Is that I, an Anchorman reference? I, I heard it earlier. Maybe. I If it is, and someone's got to let me know that I'm stealing rights. I'm Panda uh, I... watch. <laughs> But uh, next time we do this, I hope we can do this in person. You guys can come over and we can have one of our rip roaring barn stomping debates that we do here and actually have some fun in person. That sounds fantastic. Uh, take care. Say hi to the girls. Oh, you know, no, we're not going to go before you tell everybody about Rosie's YouTube channel, Denise. Oh, so Rosie has started a, a YouTube channel called Rosie Reads, where she reads books to other kids. Um, usually they're about animals and she's connecting with her classmates and friends, uh, virtually because she really misses everybody. So that's her thing that she started. And it's Rosie Reed. Fucking adorable. Thanks. <laughs> it is so yeah, We literally press record and walk away and then watch it back. And it's like, oh my gosh, this kid is hilarious. Yeah. No, like you, please. I, I, I am, I'm enthralled by it. It's on my subscription list. So like. <laughs> It's not. I think I think Mandarin Jacks is coming out shortly, so. Ooh, okay. Keep a lookout. <laughs> they have the feathers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> stay safe. Have a good rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk you to too. you soon. Be well.